This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. He was going the right way. Cohen, all the way. Touchdown, Chicago. Levine, he goes right. Stop it, Samson. Did you not get the memo? He didn't come for the massage. He came for the facial. Oh, my goodness. Chicago's Game Day. Garcia's home. Hanson scores! Sucks Lyman! What a comeback! Trubisky escapes again, and he's got plenty of room to run! Look at him go! And there's the athleticism for the rookie! Back toward the wall! It's gone! This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Ah, uh, good Sunday morning to you. I'm Jeff Meller, joined with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah. This is ESPN 1000, 312-332-3776. If you'd like to join the party this this Sunday, this rainy Sunday morning. Gentlemen, how you doing? Jeff, what's going on? Uh, I did not expect uh, Bears news this morning and Adam Schefter giving us information that maybe Mitch Trubisky against the Giants. He might not be ready to play, so I think that's interesting, an interesting way to wake up on Sunday morning. Listen, I don't need that in my life today. What are you doing, Adam Schefter? I know it's your job to report the news, but, like, it's Sunday. I was up really late watching college football. Oh, and wow. A thousand overtimes. I think they just went to the 27th overtime in uh, LSU, Texas A&M, so let's get that joke out of the way. Uh, but, yeah, we woke up to the news that uh, Mitch Trubisky – May not start against the Giants next Sunday. He still has a week. The team will get back together on Tuesday for practice. And then the game prep will begin on Wednesday and as normal practice resumes. But we, if you remember, guys, when... What was it? It was Thursday morning or it was a Friday morning when Matt Nagy met the mm-hmm. media. He said that he woke up. Trubisky woke up and was a little more sore. So... It's not kind of surprising that, you know, if you don't use the shoulder a lot, if you're not kind of moving it around and stretching and whatnot, that maybe this is this might be a nagging problem that Trubisky has to deal with. If uh, you just woke up and you have yet to read Adam Schefter's tweets, after missing the Thanksgiving game against the Lions, Bears quarterback Mitchell Trubisky is hopeful to play next Sunday versus the Giants, but it is not certain and he, w- he will and missing another game is possible. If he were to miss that one, he would be expected to return the following week. And as you just pointed out, Adam, I'll play Matt Nagy from Friday after the Bears win over the Lions when he was asked specifically about Mitchell Trubisky's health. I have no idea how he's feeling today. Um, just just seeing the guys on the on the plane last night, and uh, um, we we really didn't even talk at all about about him. Uh, I was. We were just all, I think everybody um, on that plane was just really taking in the enjoyment of what we just what we just did. It felt good. So um, I'll, I'll talk to, to Andre, our trainer, and, and uh, get a hold of Mitch and just find out how he's feeling. And um, we will be smart with it. And, and uh, he's got to communicate to us how he feels. And, um, and then we'll do the same and, and figure out where it goes on a day-to-day basis. For a guy who's never been hurt. Yeah. Is that communication on his part? Is that something you kind of had to pull out of him? Is to a little bit similar to uh, to Khalil, you know, another guy. His his deal where you know Khalil um, 
we wanted to, we, again, we just, the day-to-day thing, just the communication, knowing, hey, hey, how do you feel here? And sometimes protecting the player from the player is the is really what you run into. So that is going to be the storyline all week leading up to the Bears game in New York when they take on the Giants. Can Mitch Trubisky go? And is it prudent for him to go against the Giants when you've built a nice little cushion in your division right now? It's at 8-3. and three. This is as good as I think Bears fans could have... I would say it's beyond realistically expecting. Like This is as good as it gets for a Bears team that the bar of expectations was only so high heading into the year unless you were David Kaplan. Well, yeah, and Jeff, let's let's take a look at this. Uh, obviously, what took place on Thanksgiving against the Lions is exactly uh, what you hope for for the Bears because you got Chase Daniel, who came into the game, ran the offense well, but didn't really uh, do anything spectacular, but he didn't lose the game, which is exactly what your backup quarterback is supposed to do. So you do that against the Lions on a short week. That's fantastic. If you say, okay, we will rest Trubisky one more week against the Giants, because the Giants are not very good heading into tonight. They're 3-7. and seven. We should be able to win that game with defense and our backup quarterback not making any mistakes for a second time on the road. That would be fantastic as well. But let's be real. If Trubisky is just using this time to get ready for the Rams game, that's all that really matters. Because I think uh, for us in this room, and I think most Bears fans, after what you saw Thursday, you are comfortable with a Chase Daniel-led Bears offense going against the Giants on the road. But against the Rams, you're going to need Mitch Trubisky to be healthy for that team to beat the L.A. Rams. Yeah, you saw how Chase Daniel was able to, as a passer, kind of manage the game. But as a runner, he was missed at times. Now, it didn't matter against the Lions because the defense stepped up and they kind of owned that game. But what you missed is that mobile ability that Trubisky has, the ability to scramble when a play is breaking down and you need eight yards for a first down or you need four quick yards for a first down. That's something that Chase Daniel can't do. So, yeah, can you beat a team that is 28th in defensive DVOA on the road? Probably. Yeah, absolutely. With Chase Daniel. But ultimately, when you face the Rams and when this team is a playoff team and they get to the playoffs, you want Mitchell Trubisky at 100%. So if that means maybe you take a game off, and listen, ultimately, depending on what happens tonight with the Vikings and the Packers, the Giants game may not even matter. Like you could, you could easily, you could lose the Giants game and still make the playoffs and still accomplish everything you wanted to, even if Chase Daniel has to uh, start, and even if you don't somehow don't win that game on the road. Well, there there is some flaw in how you started this conversation, though, well, of Abdallah. Course, of course, here's the flaw: you mentioned that they missed the running game from Mitch Trubisky, and I get that many Bears fans are probably going to point out that that's been a uh, a plus to a part of the Bears offense. Uh, so far to this season, but you're in this predicament because of the running game of Mitch Trubisky, right? You can't run forever as a quarterback. Eventually, someone catches you. Eventually, you get hurt, and eventually, you have to sit out of games. That's not ideal for this Bears offense is to keep Mitch running like that. Once he comes back, once he comes back healthy, do you, do you guys, and if you want to join us at 312-332-3776, do you really want Mitch Trubisky running as much as he has early in the season? Because this is exactly what happens when you have a running quarterback who decides to leave the pocket so quickly to pick up yardage. It's really, to me, cheap yardage. And this is why. Because once you get hurt, it changes the whole dynamic of your offense and everything leading up to it. So if Trubisky comes back healthy against the Rams, Jeff, 
Is it a problem that he continues to run, continues to be the leading rusher on this team, continues to leave the pocket like this because you will get injured again? It's only a matter of time. True, you're you're right. If you're a running quarterback, you're more susceptible to big hits and injuries. But I'll say this. The Bears offense is, in my opinion, really driven by Trubisky's ability to, to escape the pocket and be a threat in the run game. And not just well, like not just a, like a threat. He is the Bears are tenth in the NFL in total rushing. Now, if you factor in you know the bye weeks, so they're they're thirteenth overall in yards per game sure. in the run game. Without Mitchell Trubisky, we saw on Thursday that Matt Nagy's offense, the spread off offense that they're running, Jordan Howard is not a perfect fit for their offense. I would be skeptical that Jordan Howard will be around long-term and honestly not quite not that surprised if he's even traded in the offseason because he's just not a fit for Matt Nagy's offense. They're not going to run the ball under Matt Nagy the way they did under John Fox. Jordan Howard is, he, he hasn't been the threat in the run game. I don't think the Bears offense can operate at the high level that it has without Trubisky running as effectively as he has. Well, you know, here's the thing, though. What's more important to this offense, a healthy quarterback or rushing yards? Because I think the healthy quarterback is by far the more important aspect to this whole conversation. I'm not saying that the rushing yards aren't good, and I understand what Jeff just pointed out, that the rushing yards are where they are because of Mitch Trubisky. It doesn't mean that they're smart rushing yards because you can't be injured. But That's the number one thing with a quarterback. You cannot be hurt. But there's an element that the Bears offense and Mitch Trubisky adds when he is able to run. It's something that it sure. keeps the defense The threat aware. of him running, the threat but of him, him actually running, running isn't but, as beneficial you as you think it is. No, it's not. It's not. But you need to be able to, to have teams thinking about his threat to run. So what you have to do is when he comes back, you still have to use him as a runner occasionally, but you have to protect him while he has to slide better. But you have to be able to use him as a runner just because defenses need to be able to think that that dude could take off at any moment and that opens up the passing game and everything else so i agree with that you can't just no i don't want him running for 100 yards every game like i don't want that i don't i don't like looking at box scores or looking when at bears games as the three of us go to and looking up at the score and be like oh trubisky is the leading rusher that's well, not right, cool. right. And, and like i don't want that but i still want a quarterback that is mobile and i want a quarterback that that threatens the defense with his ability to pick up a quick first down when needed and jeff uh Despite the lack of a traditional running game with a Jordan Howard or Tariq Cohen, this Bears team on offense is sixth in time of possession. So think about it that way, too. Mm-hmm. Is like the way they spread the ball around, it's not like these uh, three and out offensive possessions, they're giving the ball up. I mean, they hold the ball a lot. And it's despite the fact that they have virtually no running game outside of their quarterback scrambling. But as you point, like, this is what I'll get back to. I like. Would you rather your quarterback avoid every hit? Of course. But in his second year in the NFL, I don't think Mitch, Mitchell Spisky as a passer is... You, I, the Bears offense, to me, has not graduated to a level where I truly believe if he's not running the ball... He's got 25 first downs rushing. Sure. That, that to your point, keeps them in terms of time of possession that keeps the clock moving without Trubisky's ability to pick up those first downs in the run game. I'm not convinced Mitchell Trubisky 
can lead this offense to the highs they are going to need to be at to not only make a playoff, you know, make it to the playoffs and make a playoff run, but I don't even know if they would be in the playoff conversation well, okay. if Trubisky's is not running the way he has been. So doesn't this lead to a bigger conversation, right? Because if we're worried about his rushing ability, uh, risk-reward against him getting hurt, that also means that we, in the back of our heads, subconsciously, are thinking about a playoff run, right? Because if you go into a first-round playoff game without your starting quarterback because he's hurt, because he was running the ball too much, that's going to be a problem, no matter mm-hmm. who you face. If you somehow win that first-round playoff game and you face off against the Rams or the Saints without your starting quarterback, that will also be a problem. So I guess the larger conversation is, sitting at where we are right now watching this Bears team, how far do you think they can actually go? Because that's why it's a concern to me that Trubisky's hurt and might have to miss two games. It's not because I'm worried about his development. It's not because I don't think he should be running because that's not what quarterback's supposed to do. I'm worried because if he gets hurt, in the next four to five weeks, with a more serious injury, and Schefter reported this morning that after the Giants game, it shouldn't be a problem. This isn't a long-term injury, but if he somehow got hit again, and there is an issue with the shoulder, maybe it's a leg issue next time. Okay, what if that happens? Where do you see this Bears team going right now? Wait, because wait, wait. because I Nowhere. think with a healthy Mitch Trubisky, this team can win a playoff No, game. they're not going anywhere if, he, if he's not starting okay, a playoff. And then, okay, because so you're playing the real answer. teams. That's, like, so he has to be smarter. He like, can't run like he has been. I don't think if Mitch Trubisky is not running the ball the way he is, I'm not sure the offense operates that much better with with him as opposed to Jace Daniel. If you're talking about a limited keep him in the pocket Mitchell Trubisky, Who's going to throw the ball, but not going to run the ball because they're going to, they're going to concern themselves with the hits. He's going to look. I don't want him taking the hits. I don't think any Bears fan does. But the truth is, until he starts operating as a better passer, he needs to run to make this Bears offense effective. I'll say this too: if they are going to make a deep run in the playoffs, I think we're all kind of hopeful. But if you're realistic about it, you're probably saying the Rams and Saints they're they're going to be juggernauts that you have we'll to find out about the Rams. You don't know. Well, I mean, Jeff, you know, the, no, no, the, no, thing, no, no, this, hey, the thing hey. that I keep pointing to in that conversation, and yeah. I, I get your point that both of the two teams at the top of the conference, I think we would all agree are better than Chicago at this moment. Mm-hmm. The problem is the bears do have a player who's a top five player in the entire league mm-hmm. who could disrupt the game mm-hmm. and completely change it, put it, turn it on its side on the on one play, and that's Khalil Mack. So I would take my chances, even though I think we would all agree on the road in New Orleans at Los Angeles, that would be a tough ask for this Bears team to go on the road and win a divisional round playoff game. The problem is you have a player who is a complete game changer who could maybe make a play and get things into your favor in that tough situation. I only want him running when it's absolutely necessary because the problem is we talked about at the beginning of the season. He His first instinct was to tuck and run. When he couldn't find, when he would go through his progressions right. and he would say, not open, not open, not open, tuck run. it, run. And that was a problem. Now I want to see him run around a little bit, try to find the open guy. If you need to throw it away, throw it away. Don't put yourself in a situation just to pick up five yards. If you're trying to get a first down and you can get out of bounds and avoid a hit, Fine. That's okay. Do that. I don't want to see him lowering his head and trying to run uh, up the middle. That's not something he should be doing because while I think everybody is right in this situation, 
Him as a passer is not that much better, not that much of an upgrade than Chase Daniel. But you need his ability oh, no. to run. It's not. You need it's it's not. He's not that great of a passer. They're both overthrowing receivers. It's it's that's fact. Trubisky's not that great of a thrower yet. So anyway, uh, he's not he's not that accurate. So anyway, in order to to if you think that they can make a run in the playoffs, they're you're going to need his ability to scramble and run around and pick up a few things when you play better defenses and coverage breaks down, or you need to wait for that coverage to break down. So in order to do that, he has to be mobile. So you but you just have he has to learn how to be a better runner. That's basically it. Well, you have to learn just, how to be able to be a better runner. You gotta get down. You, you gotta, gotta get out. You have to learn how to slide. You have to get out of bounds, or you just throw it away. You might have to just teach him how to throw it away a little bit sooner than tucking and running, because you need him, you need his ability well, to do that. And that's why the saying is, "You can't run forever as a quarterback." I think fits so perfectly because even though he needs to be quote unquote smarter or get down or get out of bounds. Usually quarterbacks at some point, they don't do that, no. and then they're hurt. Yeah, And that, that's a problem. That is Chris Black. I'm Jeff Miller along with Adam Abdallah. We're taking your phone calls at 312-332-3776. Joe in West Chicago, you're on ESPN 1000. Good morning, Joe. Hey, good morning, guys. Thanks, guys. I'm so happy you got me on. I'm listening to what you're saying, and i, I got to make a couple points, and, and I'm going to – I almost want to disagree with, with both of you, and I know you guys are creating the uh, – fictitious debate here but uh number one i want i want to throw out a quick point and, and and that is we're talking about mitch trubisky getting out of the pocket running creating plays and the probability of him possibly getting hurt and that increases as he's out but but i'm curious and, and i haven't heard either of you say this how many lame duck quarterbacks with no mobility have we seen sit in a pocket and get absolutely crushed and injured just the same so my first point is I think I would rather have someone who's willing to get out of the pocket and take a soft hit, get a first down, be creative on his feet, and make a play for the Bears. So that's first point. Second point, and, and I'll shut up. I'll listen to you guys. I, I got to tell you, if you honestly think that Mitch Trubisky's quarterback skills are not better than Chase Daniel, his ability as a quarterback, you're out of your mind. He has a hundred times better arm. He may not have the vision right now that we're going to see in the next two to three years, but from a strictly quarterback comparison, you're crazy to think Chase Daniels Joe, is as good as, as Mitch Trubisky. Joe, Joe, none of us said that the abilities that Mitchell Trubisky brings to the table are on par with Chase Daniel or that Daniel has the physical talent that Trubisky does. I think both Abdallah and I were saying that when the the way the offense operates right now, if you take away Mitchell Trubisky running the ball, Chase Daniel operates the offense in a very similar man- manner that Mitchell Trubisky does. We saw Chase Daniel have a few overthrows when open players were there mm-hmm. in the game on Thursday. We've seen Mitchell Trubisky do that numerous times. Now, Trub- Trubisky also makes a lot of great throws down the field, but Chase... In comparison, he's inaccurate at times. And if, if the threat of the run isn't there with Mitchell Trubisky, how great a quarterback is he in this offense if he's not running? Now, the first thing I want to point out with that call is the first part of the call is I'm not saying don't be mobile and don't get out of the pocket. I get it. A quarterback that's a lame duck sitting back there waiting for someone to find him behind the line of scrimmage, that's not good either. What I'm suggesting is Trubisky being the leading rusher and that being a focal point of the offense, Mm -hmm. that to me is a problem. 
you need to be able to have that quarterback save himself for the future. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying don't be mobile. It's obviously a positive that Trubisky is mobile. Yeah, like, and like, was, don't get it twisted. It's well, just you can't be injured. He is now going to possibly miss two games out of this season because he got injured running the ball. That's all I'm saying. And what I'm saying is, is the difference between uh, D- Chase Daniel and Mitchell Trubisky throwing is, yeah, the, the, there's room to – like Chase Daniel nah, is who he is. We knew what you were saying. Listen, the offense looked pretty similar except for the rushing of Trubisky. The, be- the best weapon the guys Bears were have. Open. The best best weapon the Bears have on yeah. offense is Matt Nagy. Yeah, I and, mean, that's, and he can get but, guys so open wait, and you just have yeah. a dude that has to throw to them at times. And if that gets you to beat the Lions and it can get you to beat – the Giants, that's fine. But that's not going to beat the Saints, and that's not going to beat the Rams. You need a dude that has talent where the talent puts the offense on another level. Because the offense could be fine. The offense is set up where where a, a career backup can come in and win a game. The way the defense is set up. A, the way a the career offense, backup who hadn't started since 2014. Exactly. And, yeah, he yeah. can win a game, and he can probably beat the Giants because they're not good on defense. and the, or They're not good on defense, and the Bears' defense is going to be able to dominate that game just the way they dominated the Lions game. But when you get into the playoffs and when you face the Rams in two weeks, you need someone at quarterback who's going to put you that offense at the next level. And it, unless Mitch is mobile, they're kind of the same dude at this point. We've got a lot of discussion about the college football playoff coming up here, but uh, before we switch That'll gears, let's slip in Eddie on the north side. Hey, Eddie, what do you got? Hey, guys, how you doing? If, if, if Mitch doesn't run, then he's another uh, Colin Kaepernick. And you see what happened to him when he tried to stay in the pocket and they tried to keep him from not running, you know, how he normally does. He's done. And that's exactly what he is. Watching him, if he doesn't run, that's the way he makes plays. If he stays in the pocket more, he's going to throw more interceptions, and he's going to be clapping, and he'll be gone in two or three years. All right, Eddie, I liked your comp until you had personal <laughs> attacks on uh, players who are already clearly fueled with a lot of uh, personal attack. I'll, I'll let you guys handle this, because if I say anything negative about Trubisky, I'll be called a hater. So go ahead, Abdel. So uh, Waddle and Sylvie had Steve Young on a while ago, and he talked about the ability to learn how to become a pocket quarterback versus learning how to become a mobile quarterback. And he talked about how Deshaun Watson, is, it, when healthy and has a good offensive line, is like the perfect quarterback, because he's very lethal with his legs, and he's very lethal from the pocket. Mm. You can't be thinking run first, and then go through your progressions, which is kind of what Trubisky does at times. He kind of goes through his progressions and then goes, nope, running. What Watson does is he goes through his progressions, kind of moves around a little bit, tries to see if guys will get open, and then at the absolute last moment, if he needs to, will then run. He's a much better pocket quarterback than people give him credit for because his offensive line is the worst in the NFL. So that's what kind of Trubisky needs to do. He needs to become that pocket passer who can move within the pocket and wait for his receivers to get open because what we've seen from Matt Nagy's offense, they will get open. And the kind of weapons that they have with Tariq Cohen and Allen Robinson and Trey Burton is these guys are good enough athletes where they can get open. So it's just about Trubisky learning that, that being comfortable within the offense and having time and not running on his first r- instinct. Uh, I, obviously, Steve Young has a lot of insights on what a running quarterback needs to do and how they need to improve. I don't know if I'd put Deshaun Watson as the platonic ideal. I mean, that's the company he gave. But I understand what he's saying. And you know what? Maybe we will revisit uh, Steve Young saying that. Maybe we can do that at 945. But before we go there, we're going to talk some college football and the playoffs. 
Do we finally know our four teams? Oh, we had some if, chaos. If things, if things hold, do we finally know who our four teams will be in the playoffs? We'll discuss that with Adam Rittenberg, ESPN's College Football Insider, next on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day. Tua on the left side goes to Jerry Judy, has separation, makes the grab, he's walking in. Touchdown, Alabama! Far sideline 30, sprinting towards the goal line, 10, 5, beats Marshall to the pylon, touchdown, Notre Dame! Yes, Notre Dame, there is a college football playoff, and you're in it. Haskins, loading up, throwing end zone, open, making the catch! Ohio State's going to go 60-plus on Michigan. And the conversion, Kendrick Rogers and the Aggies win 74-72 in seven OTs. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. This is Chicago's Game Day. I'm Jeff Meller, along with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah. Taking you up till noon when we have our NFL doubleheader, starting with the Patriots at the Jets. You heard all those highlights there, courtesy of ESPN Radio and the Crimson Radio Network. And I ask you, gentlemen... Did chaos really ensue yesterday? Well, I, I can tell you this, Jeff. Uh, week 13 in college football, rivalry weekend. It was probably one of the best uh. weekends of the entire season because a lot of matchups lived up to the hype. You saw a lot of scoring and a lot of teams, and we saw some upsets along the way as well. I'm not sure if it's chaos, mm-hmm. but it was fantastic football. I think that yeah, the, give me your chaos theory. My chaos theory is that Michigan lost and that the way that Ohio State lost is now you have a debate as to who is going to go into that fourth spot should everybody win out. Like if if Alabama wins out, if Clemson wins out, Notre Dame's not playing anymore because they're not in a conference, which is stupid. Uh, Home of the the, uh, Fighting Irish here, uh, ESPN 1000. Good job, by the way. Um, So if everybody, you're going to have a debate between Ohio State and Oklahoma. And my theory is you go back to last year where Ohio State didn't get in because they went on the road and lost to Iowa. Don't go on the road and lose to Purdue by 29 if you want to be in the college football playoff. All right, let's uh, ask a true college football insider. Adam Rittenberg joins us on ESPN 1000. Adam, I will uh, allow you the floor. And uh, I don't know, do you subscribe to Abdallah's theory? Did chaos actually ensue yesterday? Or was it just a uh, one of the four teams who was expected to be in the college football playoff fallout? Yeah, it was a complete chaos. If Notre Dame had lost, uh, that would have been much more interesting because of the debate between certainly Ohio State, Oklahoma, or even if Georgia beat Alabama in a relatively close game, I think that would create uh, even more discussion. But with Notre Dame, you know, clinching a spot, I mean, they're in. So now we're just talking about three spots. And honestly, you know, Clemson, it would take a uh, a, a performance of uh, a epic uh, disaster for them to lose to Pitt in the ACC championship game. So you can pretty much put them in. So we're talking about two spots that are left. And, you know, again, it was surprising that Ohio State performed like that because they hadn't played like that really all season and put it all together. It was surprising how poorly Michigan performed. But if you're looking at the Big Ten and stepping back from the last 10, 15, 20 years, almost name the number of years, this has been Ohio State's league, and it still is, I guess, until proven otherwise. That was the lesson from yesterday. We all thought that it was shifting to Michigan. It has not shifted. It is still Ohio State's conference. 
When you take a look at that loss for Michigan and Jim Harbaugh coming into the season, uh, some boosters kind of rumoring whether or not they were unhappy the fact that Michigan couldn't win the big games against rivals. Uh, what are they going to think this offseason now that, once again, you couldn't beat Ohio State and you lost to Notre Dame earlier in the season? Well, listen, they're not going to fire Jim Harbaugh. They've gone through a number of coaches now in relatively short periods of time with Brady Hoke there for four years, Rich Rodriguez there for three years but it's very concerning that um a team that's as talented as michigan that played as well as michigan uh performs as poorly as the wolverines did on saturday especially on the defensive side of the ball there was so much acclaim for their defense and their line and their coordinator don brown and you know they looked slow they were out coached they didn't adjust as well as ohio state did throughout the game they had a huge problem with ohio state's receivers obviously couldn't get to dwayne haskins nearly enough and uh, it was embarrassing. I mean, that, that you just don't expect that ever from a Michigan defense, especially under Harbaugh and Don Brown. And so um, it's a humbling, humbling defeat because it takes everything off the table. Their first division championship, their first Big Ten championship most likely, their first college football playoff appearance, and now he's the first coach who's 0-4 to begin his Michigan tenure against Ohio State. And that's going to hover over Jim Harbaugh until next year's game in Ann Arbor, and who knows how these teams are going to be at that point. The thing that's most frustrating for Michigan is that they had, going into the game, seemingly the superior team. They had had less drama. They had played better throughout the course of the season, and yet they were beaten and beaten definitively by Ohio State, which puts it all together just at the right time. So if Oklahoma beats Texas in their championship game and Ohio State beats Northwestern in their championship game, who do you think has the better resume and who should be selected to be that fourth team, assuming Alabama beats Georgia? Well, it'll be really interesting because, um, you know, Ohio State has had this up-and-down season. They certainly have the worst loss between the two because it was a definitive loss to Purdue. Uh, Oklahoma's loss was a three-point loss, even though they were down, I believe, 21 points going into the fourth quarter against Texas. But I think it'll be – but again, Oklahoma's had its share of close calls. I mean, barely beating Army at home, uh, giving up 40 points to Kansas – you know, needing uh, to avoid a two-point conversion against an Oklahoma State team that went 6-6. Six and six. So there are blemishes on both of these teams' resumes. I think the thing that's working in Ohio State's favor, especially if they play really well against Northwestern in the league title game, is that I think the coaches in that room are going to say, you know what, Ohio State is putting it all together at just the right time. They have the talent on defense. Oklahoma, you can't look at that defense, guys, and say that there's enough talent. I know they have some solid players. I'm, I'm not trying to hate on them too much. But, but they, they just don't look nearly like a, uh, a defense that's worthy of being in the college football playoff. Ohio State, I agree, has not been that, that level. But they are at least capable of playing as a complete team. I think if they put Oklahoma in the playoff, they're essentially saying it's a three-and-a-half-team playoff. If they put Ohio State in the playoff, if they both play well next week, I think it, it's more of an acknowledgement that it's a four-team playoff. Adam, uh, speaking with Adam Rittenberg, ESPN's College Football Insider here on ESPN 1000. Jeff Meller, Adam Abdallah, Chris Black here with you on Chicago's Game Day. All right, Adam, I, I think I know the answer, but uh, just to get it official here, is there any scenario that could play out where the UCF Knights could actually lay claim <laughs> with the injury to, to McKinsey Milton, where they could actually lay claim to a spot in the playoffs? Any scenario left where they could find uh, a legit claim? It would have to take you know, obviously, Ohio State losing to Northwestern. It would take Clemson. Even if Clemson loses to Pitt, though, I think they're probably still in the playoff. 
Um, and you know you're going to get one out of the SEC, whether Alabama or Georgia wins at the very least. So you probably want just Alabama to win to knock Georgia out completely. So you say Alabama wins, Ohio State loses, Texas wins. You know, I guess that, that would maybe clear a path as the only undefeated team, um, uh, you know, likely not with their quarterback for the rest of the season. That was a devastating injury. I mean, the committee does take that into account when they're evaluating a team. So I, it, it, it would be very, very surprising at this point. But I, I do think that this year's UCF team has shown why I think this playoff could go to eight games and why it would certainly benefit a group of five teams. I'm sorry, eight teams, I should say, not eight games. If it was an 18 playoff, UCF would be in if they win this week. I really believe that. And so that's the, uh, that's the silver lining, I think, for the group of five, whether it's UCF or Boise State some years or whoever. Uh, I think if it does eventually go to eight, I think they have a real chance. How much better do you think Alabama is than Clemson, or are they pretty close as the two best teams in the country? I think Alabama's better. I mean, they, they've been dominant pretty much every week. You know, Clemson has had, they had a scare against Syracuse. But really, since the Syracuse game, they've won every game by 20 points or more. Um, and uh, your quarterback, Clark Trevor Lawrence, is playing uh, at a very, very high level. They have explosive running backs. They have explosive receivers. Now, their defense, you saw that a little bit last night against South Carolina. Teams can throw the ball on them. And I don't know if Pitt has that capability, but you know that Alabama does. Uh, and, and even Notre Dame, I think, in, in the semifinal, if it's two versus three. So that'll be an interesting test for Clemson with a young quarterback and a defense that's really good up front, but also I think a little bit vulnerable in the back end. I think that, that group in the back has maybe been a, a little bit surprising how well they've played given the losses that they've had, whereas Alabama, it's just hard to find a weakness. I think Mississippi State showed that if you can pressure Tua, uh, you can have some success, but there's been really nobody else, including Auburn, that's been able to do that on a consistent basis. So that's what Clemson, you know, if Clemson's going to win the game, they're going to need Trevor Lawrence to play out of his mind. And they're going to need that defensive line to play out of its mind, which is certainly possible because they're really talented. But if, if you give two any, any type of uh, time, uh, it's going to be tough. And one thing a coach told me recently about Alabama, it, this Alabama team it used to be, okay, if you scored 24, 31 points, you'd have a chance. You really need to score almost more than 40 to have a chance against them. And that's obviously really tough against their defense. We were debating this in the break before we came back. How much would Georgia have to beat Alabama by to keep Alabama out of the playoff? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would be really interesting because they've been Alabama's been so dominant. It would have to be something, you know, like a like a twenty point you know beating, um, you know, uh, fourteen, maybe fourteen, maybe twenty. Really? And you just don't see that very often. Um, and uh, you know, here's the thing: I don't think the committee guys wants to get into the habit of putting a team in that lost its last game especially when you're trying to emphasize conference championships. So essentially you'd be putting Alabama in over two conference champions, Ohio State and, and, and Oklahoma, if they're able to win their games. I think that would be very tough for the committee to do, but it's also hard for them to sit there and say, hey, we picked the four best teams, and Alabama's not one of the four best teams. What do you think happens with Clay Helton at USC? Yeah, you know, I think it, there's been a lot going on there. Uh, some of the talk last night seemed more optimistic, like he would be back. I know that their presidential situation, they have an interim president right now. That's a factor when you're trying to make a coaching change because of the amount of money that's owed to Clay Helton. But I also hear that, that, that people around the USC program are willing to put in the money to uh, buy, essentially buy him out, get, get, him, get rid of him, and, and move on to a new coach. Um, I, I still think Clay Helton, the biggest problem for Clay – hasn't been what he's done as the head coach, but who he was when he got hired. 
He was an offensive coordinator who you know, maybe was on track for a, maybe a group of five, lower level group of five job. Then all of a sudden he's the USC head coach. You know, nobody else at, at that level was going to hire him. So he had to do so much more, I think, as the head coach to secure himself when, when, when they had a bad season like they've had this year. And then Glenn Swan, as an athletic director, didn't hire Clay Helton. He can make a splash with this hire. Um, so I'd still be a bit surprised to see Clay return, but there's some, uh, there's a, it's, a, it's a complex situation out there in L.A. All right, Adam, thanks so much for your time this morning. We appreciate you waking up with us here on Sunday. All right, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All thanks, right, Adam. that is Adam Rittenberg, again, ESPN's College Football Insider. Does a podcast, check it out. Lots of great information there. Anything you guys want to follow up on? Well, I, I think uh, Adam himself uh, wrote on ESPN.com last week that I think USC owes Clay Helton like $22 million. So if they're, will- <laughs> if they're willing to uh, pony up $22 million to uh, kick him to the curb, then that's uh, pretty impressive. The thing that I would also point out based on what Adam was just saying there is it's not the fact that Clay Helton took over play calling duties this year. Uh, it was a big... Uh, press release uh, about three weeks ago that he started uh, the play calling duties, took him away from T. Martin. Uh, Behind the scenes, people were suggesting that he did that weeks before that anyway. And on top of it, the offense has taken a step backwards ever since the offensive coordinator head coach started the play calling duties as well. So it hasn't really looked well for Clay Helton. And on top of it, uh, as a USC fan speaking right now, in the 2019 class recruiting rankings, USC currently on ESPN.com is ranked 24th in the country. So the record on the field, 5-7, and seven, not good. Losing to your rivals, not good. Losing your last three games, not good. Scoring 10 points in the second half of the last three games combined is terrible. And on top of it, you can't even come to the table with the fact that we have a top five recruiting class because in the Pac-12, you're being out-recruited by Oregon. Uh, let's see, who else? Washington. Washington State, I mean, if you're USC, that can't happen. Jeff, Chris, and Adam here on ESPN 710 in L.A. Uh, if, what you have to also factor in is there's going to be a lot of high-profile jobs that, are, that could be open. Texas Tech, we know, is going to be open. Okay. Ohio uh, State could be open yeah, as well. I think Urban USC, Meyer is going to stay if that's the case. But uh, that's the name. If you're a USC fan, that, that really gets you excited. It's Urban Meyer. So, like, that's the name you go after. I think it's unrealistic. You're going to kill the man. You, you, Abdallah, you, you try and say there's going to be high-profile jobs. You're going to kill the man. Uh, you, do, you are aware that people in L.A. and USC fans would tell you there is no more high-profile job than USC. Okay. Well, I'm just telling you that's how these people think. All right? All so right. that's what they think. They can think all they want. Again, Play that is, and get out of here. Chris, Chris Black, Black on 710 on ESPN LA. And Adam Abdallah, maybe we'll uh, see if we can run down Keyshawn Johnson for later in the show. Oh, I love Keyshawn. It was a hell of an intro he put on uh, yesterday. Uh, that game. Yeah. Jack, Jackson, Jacks are wild. A couple of callers want to weigh in on some of this college football discussion. We'll do that before 10 o'clock when we get back to some of the NFL games of interest today. This is Chicago's Game Day right here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. This is Chicago's Game Day on ESPN 1000 on Sunday morning. A little bit rainy here across the across from the Chicago Theater on State Street. I'm Jeff Meller along with Adam Abdella and Chris Bleck. Jack in Norwood Park was listening to our conversation about college football and along with Adam Rittenberg, and he wants to weigh in. Hey, Jack, what do you got for us? What's up, Jack? How are you this Sunday? What's up, Jack? What up? <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyway, no, I just wanted to talk about college football yesterday. I'm a huge fan. I'm about 50-50 with them in the NFL. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a Notre Dame fan, and one of you guys is a Southern Cal fan. What else? Fight on. <laughs> Fight on. Give it to him, Jack. Anyway, uh, yeah, number one, I think USC. Not that I'm a fan of theirs or Notre Dame are tribal. They need to get a big name in there somehow. Um, I think Clay Helton's like over his head in that job. That's my personal opinion. And if you have the 24th ranked uh, recruiting class in the country, it's Southern Cal, uh, which is should be in the top five every year. I think it's. I mean, he's got to go. And uh, that's number one. And I, what do you guys do? You think the Fighting Irish actually would have a chance against Clemson or Bama? What's your thoughts? No. Oh, Abdallah, don't be a hater. And no, thanks for the call, Jack. We appreciate that, it. I don't think they um, would. You saw, we were talking yesterday. We were texting back and forth. You saw USC was getting pressure on Ian Book. If if the, the best defensive line in the country and one of the best defensive players in the country on Alabama, uh, the best defensive line is Clemson's, can get pressure on Ian Book, it's over. Well, it's over. I, I will say this. Notre Dame's defense is damn good. They're a top five defense. And I think when you enter a game, that uh, against either of those teams and your defense is very good, I think you have a chance. Now, can Ian Book uh, navigate the waters of uh, Alabama or a Clemson in that matchup? We'll have to find out. I'm not sure if he's that good of a quarterback. He's pretty damn good, though. But I I think when you look at it overall, I think Notre Dame would have a shot. I don't think they're going to get rolled like the last time they got into a playoff situation and face off against Alabama and they just crushed them. I think this is a much better Notre Dame team. As of right now, they'd have to face Clemson. And I I don't see how they win that game. Well, they might not win it, but I don't think they get blown out. I think they are on par I don't know. with Listen, Clemson, Alabama, and Georgia as the four give, best teams in the country. You give Dabo a month, I, th- I think this. you always have a, 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 a really bad, one of the playoff games is really bad, and like a team doesn't cross the other team's 50, that might be the situation. That because is, Dabo Sweeney is such a great coach. That's Adam Abdallah along with Chris Black. I'm Jeff Meller. You're listening to Chicago's Game Day on ESPN 1000. Coming up next, what are you going to do with your Sunday without the Bears? We'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to wait all day for right. Bears, or you're going to wait all day for Packers and Vikings. We'll talk to Rob Domofsky coming up in 10 minutes right here on ESPN 1000. Boozy brunch. Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in Chicago's Game Day here on ESPN 1000. Jeff Meller along with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah here with you till noon as we talk. What else? Football. It's football season. It's rainy. It's wet. It's about to snow, apparently, we've been told. We're going to get a lot of snow. Get your salt ready. Can't wait. I just texted my wife. I go, we need that dog salt. Because you can't use normal salt when you got a dog. It hurts do their you, paws. What? Do you, do you put you the uh, that? Hurts dog salt? Do you put the rubber yeah. rubber paws on your dog? No. Do you, get, I, do you buy I get them at a discount because I only, I only need three. You buy them in sets of 12s. His dog has three legs. You need dog salt because it hurts. The regular yeah, salt hurts their paws. And they I lick know, their paws. Their, their padding on the Yeah, paws, you need dog salt. So we have to go get dog salt for our steps. Okay, that's, right, my, well, that's um, my list of things. You know, Jeff, uh, in my life, I am currently uh, waging a, a war against the little booty uh, dog booties. Dog booties. How uh, big? How big's your dog? He's thirty pounds. Gus the Golden Doodle. Yeah, um, that, that that seems like it. Usually, the 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 rubber the rubber footies booties booties. Are I see four. them on little dogs. Yeah, they're like I feel like French bulldogs. Yeah, he's a once, grown dog. Uh, he's above a man. twenty pounds. Come on. Do you get? Yeah. Do you have socks? Does your dog make too much noise? Oh, too much noise. 
It's an Osun reference. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, I don't like the booties either because I feel like it's too much of a process to put them on and take them off of yeah, our dog. I mean, and our dog doesn't go over, like Jeff said, my dog only has three legs. So she can't go very far. So uh, it's just a hassle. I would spend more time putting them on and taking them off than actually the walk would uh, would be. So it's a waste of time. But get dog salt for your dogs because salt's bad for your dog's paws. All right. So if you're just joining us, Thanks. you're just waking up this morning. <laughs> We're here for the people. You now have it's an extra. start to the 10 o'clock hour. If you're, if you're a dog owner, you have a now you know another item on your agenda of things to do. If you're also just joining us, you may have missed or you may be unaware that Adam Schefter tweeted out this morning about three hours ago. After missing the Thanksgiving game versus the Lions, Bears quarterback Mitchell Trubisky is hopeful to play next Sunday versus the Giants, but is not certain he will. And missing one more game is possible per source. If he were to miss that one, he would be expected to return the following week. I mean, that would be logical that if you're hoping he can play the the, the upcoming game, if he can't play that one, you would expect him to play that next game. But I will say, it doesn't always work out that way. That'd be the thing you would logically say when you're hoping he can play this game. That if he doesn't play this game, though, he would probably be back the next week against the Rams. But just a little extra concern for Bears fans now to be worried about because... Mitchell Trubisky dealing with a shoulder injury. Could it be a second straight start for Chase Daniel? I'm worried that this could be worse than that, even. Worse than... Because if we're already getting word a week in advance... Isn't it kind of weird? Don't you guys think it's a little weird that we're getting word a week in advance I think this of is, the Giants this game? This is softening the blow for anybody out there who's a Bears fan. Hey, be prepared. There's probably a good... Uh, there's a high likelihood... We should see Chase Daniel next Sunday. Now, we saw the, the precautions that the team co- took with Allen Robinson and Khalil Mack, and they worked out, and they came back, and they were 100% healthy, and they've been forces so far for the Bears in their return. And this might be the same thing. I think the Bears can beat the Giants without Mitch Trubisky. They can be fine with Chase Daniel in there. They've got a great defense. They've got the, uh, the best defense in the league. Uh, they can go in there and beat the Giants on the road for sure. However... If this is going to be a nagging problem, this sets up what we think to be a Bears playoff run. This is a concerning issue moving forward for the Bears when you have your star quarterback out for the season or for, for with a nagging injury, or he could be uh, limited by what he can do in his ability to run, which is what we were talking about last hour. You know, it's uh, it certainly could be softening the blow. I also think it's um, interesting because the players are off until Tuesday. Correct. Like this is a mini buy for the Chicago Bears this weekend and on Friday as well. So like the players aren't there going through their usual uh, regimen until Tuesday. So we won't really know until they come back to practice. I think it is. I I think it is um, possible that they could tell Chase Daniel over the weekend like, hey, man, (laughs) just mentally prepare yourself. That when we return to work, you might be the starter this week, and we'll just prepare for the Giants game as if you are the starter to give Mitch Trubisky a little extra time. I'm not as concerned as a long-term issue. I just think that maybe, like Khalil Mack, Allen Robinson, earlier in the season against the Jets and the Bills, that this just might be a schedule opportunity to allow your quarterback to, to heal 100% before he comes back out there for the Rams game. Yes, but I will say, as you look at the Giants, and while you feel you feel you look at the schedule and you say that's a win, 
you can get carried away with that in the NFL. You guys know as well as I do, oh, week in and sure. week out. There's frequently, you know, whether it's a game that's played much closer than you expect or an outright upset, those those happen quite frequently in the NFL. And I would say the Giants at home against the Bears with, look, Eli's a mess, but he, he's still at times a competent quarterback. And when you have Saquon Barkley, you have you have Odell Beckham, you've got Evan Engram, you've got Sterling Shepard, you've got plenty of weapons that the Giants could find themselves in a position where, you know, scoring 24 points, all of a sudden the Bears are in a difficult spot because while Chase Daniel ran the offense effectively, they only netted Ooh, 16 points offensively because of the defensive touchdown. No matter who you go against, back-to-back weeks on the road with your backup quarterback is not an ideal situation. Then you can kind of factor in whether or not this team is effective enough to beat you as a team on uh, on their home turf against you with one of the better defenses in all football um, and a backup quarterback who knows the system and is taking care of the ball, um, it's all risk-reward, right? Because if Trubisky goes out there too early, gets hurt, hurt even worse because he has to run, uh, that's what we debated a lot of the first hour of the show about is the risk-reward between Trubisky running for yardage and having to get down and saving himself for later plays, I'm on the thinking that he needs to save himself to allow this offense to flourish. Um, I I think that's kind of where you have to sit at it. And if Matt Nagy thinks that he can scheme open guys enough and Chase Daniel can take care of the ball, I'm okay sitting him against the Giants. And you're right, Jeff. The Giants could certainly win a game at home against the Bears. The other benefit of this is this coming out early, and I'm sure there will be the NFL coaching gamesmanship of not telling reporters what is going on so there won't be you know like Trubisky may or may not practice or whatever completely expect a game day decision yeah but the benefit is that now Chase Daniel has a full week of practice to take reps and get ready and get more familiar with the playbook and whatnot I'm not saying he's not more familiar we trust me we heard all week last week about how Chase Daniel's the greatest backup in the history of backups because of how smart he is and how he prepares like he's going to start every game even though he's only started one game ever and it's like it's like this is if you had to pick a perfect backup this would be the perfect backup and now he has a chance to prepare to start as opposed to hey guess what you're playing Thursday it's Tuesday you know like he has a full week to get ready to face the Giants who aren't very good uh, on defense so it's more beneficial this week than I think against the Lions when we saw him win on Thanksgiving as you noted Without the short week, Chase Daniel will have an opportunity to actually get some real reps, not just the uh, mental reps that they we saw play out last week with the Bears and the short work week against the Lions on Thanksgiving. All right, now with no Bears game on the agenda for today, I know a lot of Chicagoans are looking forward to what is, if you look at the NFL schedule, the clear-cut game of the day. It's Sunday night. It's the Packers visiting the Vikings at U.S. Bank Stadium. And Rob Domofsky, nice enough to give us a few minutes of time here on ESPN 1000. He covers the Packers for ESPN NFL Nation. And Rob joins us now. Good morning, Rob. How you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? We are excellent, and we are watching closely as what hap- as to what happens tonight. Curious, what is the current... How, how are the fans reacting right now to the Packers season with Mike McCarthy kind of what seems like under the microscope from afar here. Yeah, they're not happy about it, as you can imagine. I mean, they're on the verge of, you know, missing the playoffs for the second straight season. McCarthy's never missed the playoffs two years in a row. 
Uh, in fact, in his first 12 seasons, he's only missed the playoffs three times. So it's uh, it's a little bit of an unusual situation, um, and people are, are, as you would expect, not happy about it. They want to see change. Um, these next six games are going to determine – you know, what kind of change, if any, that we see going forward. Rob, if we go back to week uh, three in the matchup between the Vikings and the Packers where they tied mm-hmm. 29-29, even though it was a tie game, what team do you think played better that day? Well, I mean, the Packers had a nice lead uh, in that game and played really well. Um, the Vikings kicker had a meltdown, so, you know, they probably should have won the game. Uh, it, it, I still think the Packers probably played better that day. Just couldn't finish it off. Um, but look, I think this is you know this is the Packers are so much different right now. They're they're, they're a much worse team. Um, I, I think they're in a mental state that's not good. Um, having lost you know three of the last four, they haven't won on the road. Um, it, it's you know they're they're in a bad spot. I mean, you, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Randall Cobb said. Hey, look, we've lost games before, but this feels different. And he's right; this this does feel different. Are fans just buying time, basically, until Mike McCarthy's out? I mean, there's uh, you know there is that that um, that segment of hey, let's just fast forward to January and, and get it over with, kind of a thing. Uh, because look, even if they get into the playoffs, uh, it's hard to imagine them going anywhere. I mean, you know, not with the Saints and, and the Rams. I mean, the one thing they did, they played their best game of the year against the Rams and lost out there 29-27, I think it was. That was a game where Tom Montgomery should have taken a knee and a touchback on the kickoff, right out, fumbled, and Rodgers never got the ball back. Um, so, I mean, I, guess, I was going to say, boy, they have no chance of beating those guys, but they actually did play pretty well out in L.A. But I still think that this is, you know, even if they get into the playoffs, which is very unlikely, um, it just doesn't seem like this is a team that's going anywhere. Rob, I've spoken with several people over over the holidays here who have asked me, you know, is Aaron Rodgers, you know, is he still, is the knee still bothering him? And I, personally, just watching from afar, it looks like he's actually getting healthier as the season has progressed, yeah. you know. Uh, but I think a lot of people see them, you know, him miss a few throws in Seattle, even though he openly admitted, you know, that final throw just slipped out of his yeah. hands. Uh, yeah. From your perspective, you think Aaron Rodgers has been playing better since he injured his knee on the in the opener against the Bears? Uh, boy, I think this is his worst season, mm-hmm. um, and I don't. I do think you're right. I don't think the knee is an issue anymore. Uh, he's not even wearing a brace anymore. So he's just he's not sharp. He's he's missing throws that he would normally make. I, you know, look as great as he is, sort of you know mobility wise and making plays out of nothing. I still maintain, and I've talked to a bunch of scouts and coaches around the league that that agree, he's better when he's just getting the ball out of his hands quickly. And and that's what he does when he's hurt. I mean, when he had the calf injury in 2014, that ball just, he was, you know, he was immobile. That ball came out, the offense ran on time. It's still a West Coast offense that is based on timing. And when he holds the ball because he's trying to, scramble around and, and make the, the home run play, you know, he, he may make one or two of those, but he's also sacrificing some of the, you know, the, the easy one. I mean, you go back and look at the Seattle game. He had Aaron Jones on a check down uh, a couple of times. And he just won't take it because he's looking for the home run ball, and, and that's been a big problem this season. 
The Packers have lost uh, all five of their road games this season. Uh, the last two from last season, so seven straight road games. They're on the road tonight. What has been such a difference between the Packers playing at Lambeau and being on the road? I mean, there's so many things. I mean, they make so many special teams mistakes on the road. Rodgers' uh, is, is accuracy completion percentage is so much less on the road. Um, penalties are way up on the road. They're not getting turnovers. I mean, it's all the things that you would think would happen when you're not winning games happen to them on the road. I mean, you know, the, the thing is, they, the, this, the start of the year, I mean, they got basically blown out at Detroit and at Washington, two mediocre football teams. And, and then they went on the road and actually played pretty tough at the Rams at um, New England and at Seattle, two or three teams that are, you know, playoff or better type of teams. So um, it's been a little bit weird. I mean, they've got they they just they have not been able to find that complete game on the road. And um, I mean, quite frankly, I don't see it happening tonight. But I suppose you never know. What are the Packers going to look to do to stop? Uh... Kirk Cousins and Dalvin Cook with all their injuries on defense. I see that they put uh, Nick, uh, Nick, Nick Perry, Perry out on Nick IR Perry, yeah. uh, yesterday. So, what are they? Yeah. Who steps up next in his place? Well, the, the one bright spot, guys, on their defense has been Kyler Fackrell. Uh, he's got eight sacks. He had three of them against Seattle. Uh, this is a guy who was a third round pick three years ago, and his first two years had done absolutely nothing. I think he had like five sacks two years combined he's got eight this year he's, he's the team lead um you know clay matthews is his i think he's got like two or three sacks he's not the the sack guy that he used to be uh, kenny clark is playing really well up front but the problem is he's you know the other two starting defensive linemen from week one against the Bears are both gone mike daniels is hurt uh, muhammad wilkerson is on ir so it's uh, it's a real patchwork defense. They're, they're banged up in the secondary. Kevin King, their top pick from a year ago, is on. The, he's not going to play, and he, he's at that point where he's about to miss more games than he's actually played in. Um, it's you know sort of the Kevin White uh, scenario, I think. So um, yeah, it's, they're they're just they're so banged up that it's a patchwork defense. Um, but they need somebody like a Kyler Fackrell to step up and make you know a game changing plays. They're not getting enough takeaways. They got a fumble. Matthews forced a fumble in Seattle on the very first drive. They go in and score, and they didn't get another turnover. This is a defense that's going to need multiple turnovers. Uh, talking with Rob Domofsky of ESPN NFL Nation, covers the Packers. This is Chicago's game day here on ESPN 1000. Rob, now that we're a few weeks, few weeks removed from the trade deadline, I remember the HaHa Clinton Dix deal was kind of a head scratcher, yep. scratcher across the league because a lot of people thought of the Packers as one of the few contenders who with Rodgers at quarterback could always be a threat in the playoffs but yep. it was it you know some people questioned did that signal a bit of a white flag from the Packers a few weeks removed now how do you think that trade is viewed by the team or just you know the fans in general yeah did you watch the HaHa Clinton Dix on Thanksgiving night we saw <laughs> yes <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you'll know that's why they traded him. He could, he's just, he wasn't very good. Uh, it, the, the national name did not match what the real story was because he's not a good player. He's not that good anyway. He had one good year <laughs> as a pro bowler in 2016. He was awful last year. They had hoped that he would 
um, sort of rebound this year, and he didn't. And quite frankly, they were lucky to get a fourth-round pick for him. So the idea that they were waiting, and I understand it. When you trade a pro bowler, a former first-round pick, it looks like you're waving the white flag. But if you watched him play, they, they, were, they were lucky to get something for him because they were not going to resign him in the offseason. That's perfectly put, Rob. That's why you know you, we turn to someone who watches <laughs> each and every snap because that's what happens. Is you get the national perspective, you get the yeah. you know the Pro it's Bowl pedigree, yeah. and people just say, "What's going on here?" But that's right. perfectly you know that lays it out crystal clear for us. All right, Rob. Well, enjoy your time in Minnesota this evening. Uh, hopefully, well, or at least from the Bears fans, Bears fans' perspective, hopefully you guys get the win tonight because I know we're a little more concerned about the Vikings these days. Yeah, maybe maybe another tie. You know, maybe that's uh, <laughs> if you're the bear. If you're the Bears, just you know, keep them both away from you. So, uh, but I, I think you know, I think the Bears are in a great spot, even even with the injury to the quarterback. So, oh, you know what, Rob? Uh, One more too, because since you brought yeah. it up really quickly, just curious: Are people still losing their minds in Green Bay about the Bears actually kind of? Jumping in and usurping the Packers for Khalil Mack, stealing, stealing Khalil Mack. Yes, as, stealing. As <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, there's definitely um, there's definitely people that uh, lament. You know, I hear it all the time. But boy, if he had just offered more than the Bears, if he had just offered more than the Bears, so it's uh, it's a absolutely great move, obviously for them. And, um, you know, the final piece to that defensive puzzle, it looks like. And, uh, but yeah, I mean. Certainly, uh, certainly, Mac would have been uh, an addition to this team that everyone wanted. So, kudos to the Bears for pulling it off. No doubt about it. Thanks, Rob. We appreciate your time this morning. All right, guys. We'll be seeing you. That is Rob Domofsky of ESPN NFL Nation, covers the Packers for ESPN.com. Jeff, you know, uh, a lot of people traveling uh, today, maybe going back to where they come from uh, after the Thanksgiving Day weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, So do you guys mind if we take uh, about a couple minutes here to give some thankful uh, thoughts, you know, at the dinner table for Thanksgiving? Do you ever say what you're thankful for, Abdallah? Did you ever do this? Yeah. Okay. Guys, can I tell you what I'm thankful for? Okay. Don't look at me. Why? Why can't I have a no, serious? Do your bit. Do your Thank, bit. Thanksgiving passed a couple days um, ago, but okay. We'll do your bit. Honestly, I'm thankful for Ryan Pace. I mean, how can you not be thankful for Ryan Pace? He landed Khalil Mack. Don't look at me like you're this. not even sitting in Cap's chair. No, I know it's over there. <laughs> Jeff's in Cap's chair. I get it. But uh, uh, if you're a Bears fan today, this weekend, this season, how can you not be thankful? For Ryan Pace. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I'm more he thankful for... He landed Khalil Mack. Uh, yeah, he landed Khalil Mack. I'm more thankful for John Gruden for being an idiot and, <laughs> and trading him. He drafted like, Roquan Smith. Okay, yeah, he drafted the eighth best player in the draft. He went out and signed Allen Robinson. Okay, he gave a wide receiver a lot of money. He signed Taylor Gabriel. That's a good signing. I'll he give him credit for that one. Eddie Jackson. I'll give him credit for that one. Roll Tide. How can you not, this weekend, this season, not be thankful for Ryan Pace? He has assembled a team that's third in the conference, better than the Green Bay Packers, better than the Minnesota Vikings. Mm-hmm. This GM, Ryan Pace, how can you not be thankful? I, I am thankful for th- certain things he's done, but I also think that there are certain things that just kind of fell his way. What, Khalil Mack fell his way? Yeah, his, his coach he traded made him. A move. His coach traded him, and he was like, here, take all of my draft how, picks. How can you not be thankful for Ryan Pace and everything he's done? I said I'm thankful for him, but you got to you you go back even further. You're I'm the thankful kid that for gets John a new Gruden. PS4 for Christmas and then complains because you didn't get the game with it that you wanted. Well, what's the point? <laughs> you should be you thankful for Ryan Pace, and hmm. on top of it, he got you a quarterback. And a backup. 
Mm. So that's the only thing that I'm thankful for Ryan Pace. The only reason I'm I'm uh, reticent to go ahead and just just completely jump in and the, I'm he got, still you guys a head coach that's a mastermind offensively. Yeah. No, there you go. It, it's it, you're you like, are aware of that, Abdallah, right? There you go. People now, people talk about Sean Payton, talking. Kyle Shanahan, Don't talk to me Andy about Roquan Smith. He's got you a Matt Nagy. And how are he you draft, kidding me? He drafted the eighth best player. If he wouldn't have taken Roquan Smith, we would have killed him. Are you? Wait, how are you not? Are you, how are you sold not on, thankful? Are you sold on Trubisky? Are you sold on Trubisky? Oh me? Oh God no! Listen, well, that's, you stop that's doing the your cap only... bit, okay? I'm, stop doing your cap bit. Why bit. are you saying th- you're not thankful? You don't agree with me a hundred percent. You don't agree with okay. me hundred percent. You, you just tweeted out some characters. The on only, my thank you. The only thing that you know, the only thing I think as a Bears fan that you have to still be a little bit unsure of is Mitchell Trubisky. Every other move that you just laid out is excellent. And look, I. Kevin White was a disaster, but you're going to get some wrong as a GM, and more than anything, injuries I think really derailed Kevin yeah, White's career. Nine billion dollars. That one is still a little bit uh, suspect, but I think until Trubisky proves that he's a franchise quarterback, that's why uh, he look. They put a lot of draft. They invested a lot of draft capital in Mitchell Trubisky, and while the Mac move was brilliant, and I'm ecstatic about it as a Bears fan. The Trubisky draft pick is going to essentially determine whether or not he. I think he's going to have a long run as the Bears GM. He will. He will have a good run, but whether it's a long run is going to be dependent on Mitchell Trubisky's career as a, a quarterback. For the faults that he may have for mm-hmm. the pick of Trubisky and moving up, I think everything we've seen from last offseason into this year, every move Ryan Pace has made has been fantastic. From the head coach, Cody Parkey. Every move from the head coach, every to Khalil move? Mack, okay. to Allen Robinson, okay. to Taylor Gabriel. Look, this team, Trey Burton, this team is where it's at because of Ryan Pace and the decisions he made okay. in this last off season. All right, I am thankful for Ryan Pace. I agree with you on certain things. Cody Parkey is terrible. Cody I'll Parkey's give you awful. That job. John Gruden wanted to trade Khalil Mack, okay. and, and, and he, he just pounced. and he threw draft picks at him. Like a, but no, well, like but a, if we if we like go cross sport comparison, like the thing VIPs. that we always knock the Chicago do Bulls the cross about, sport. don't well, do the cross well, sport. Well, I'm just going to give this to you. Whenever there's a disgruntled star in the NBA, okay, great. the Bulls never make a move. All right, there was a disgruntled situation. Khalil Mack was available. John Gruden's an idiot. Receiver on the market, the most him, money, and, and Ryan Pace comes yeah. in and takes him. Boom. He, gave, he gave the best wide receiver on the market Thank the most money. I think Mac, you should be grateful. And he gave a kicker nine million dollars. Mack was a shrewd move. He did pony up two first round picks and a. A lot of teams are really kicking themselves for not not giving up the yeah, extra first round pick. Yeah, to take the attention yeah. away from the quarterback for a but, little, but little who, bit. Who made the move, though? He, he, he bounced back from a terrible move in what he did to go and move up and get Trubisky. He bounced back and, in this last year by getting a head coach, a top five player, and, and just, weapons for that quarterback, which we don't know about. I'm glad you had a God-freaking-good uh, a god A God-fearing Thanksgiving. A what? Whatever uh, your boy said. God fearing. Whatever your boy said at the end before Thanksgiving. Dallin Black, I'm Meller. Listen, man. I'm, I'm just, I'm just here. Right. <laughs> what's the latest? I don't know what's going on? What's What's going on with all the NFL lines? If you are someone who likes to make a wager or a play or two, we're yes. going to check in with Chad Millman of the Action Network, and he's going to tell us all the latest movement and where the smart money is being placed. Right here on ESPN One Thousand. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Rolling on here on ESPN 1000, I'm Jeff Meller, joined along with Adam Abdallah and Chris Black. And 
As we've been talking a lot of football, talking about Mitchell Trubisky's shoulder injury and how that may actually prevent him from playing next Sunday, we're perusing just an awful NFL schedule. I mean, there are very there are very few compelling games. In fact, I would say only one, and that occurs this evening when the Packers visit the Vikings. And so, you know what we're going to do? We're going to make these games more interesting. Well, Jeff, I was going to say, you, oh, you're, you're selling a NFL football short because each and every game that takes place, no matter the matchup, is an opportunity to make money. We all know that, but this is when it is particularly important to be making money on these NFL games because... When teams like the Rams and the Chiefs are on by, the Saints played on Thursday night, all of a sudden you find yourself getting geared up for Patriots and Jets. And you can hear that game right here on ESPN 1000 starting at okay. noon. So let's uh, turn to a man, a Highland Park native, Chad Millman, formerly the head honcho of all things ESPN not too long ago. Now the head man for the Action Network. And Chad's going to tell us, where all the smart money's going. Chad, thanks for joining us on Sunday here. Tell us a little bit about uh, any games that are tickling your fancy this morning. Well, you guys aren't wrong. It's a pretty uh, it's a pretty ugly slate today. Um, I'm just looking at some of the numbers right now. The game that's been most interesting to me, uh, there's a couple of them. One is the, is the under in the Giants and Eagles. Uh there's going to be a lot of wind in that game, and this game is now you can get the total, I think, at 49, 48 and a half. Um, I bet it personally at under 49. Uh, just when there is a lot of wind and you have division rivals, games tend to be a lot closer. Uh, these are two teams that um, have been inconsistent as when it comes to scoring offensively, as many yards as they have sort of been able to gain. They haven't been able to close the deal. And um, so I think that game looks to be an uh, low-scoring affair. The other game that's really interesting to me um, is Carolina as a three-point favorite against uh, Seattle. Um, you know, I tend to like short home favorites anyways, and I think Carolina, you're getting a little bit of the best of the number here because they played so badly against the Lions. Um, and I think a lot of people are discounting how good they really are you know, you get a lot of overreaction when teams lose to teams like the Lions or when you're talking about the Seahawks and they're sort of coming off compelling wins uh, and they're definitely coming off a bye. Um, so I'm looking at Carolina in this game as well. Chad, something that jumped out at me looking at the spreads over the week is the fact that Buffalo at home is the underdog against Jacksonville. Jacksonville hasn't played well at all this season, but they're favored by three points. Where are the Sharps going on that matchup? That's been a really interesting game. Um, it's been kind of split. Like, I'm looking at the money right now, and the money is usually a good indicator of where the Sharps are. Um, and the money is at about 53% on Buffalo. Uh, so there's a slight edge to Buffalo. But remember, like, wise guys, they tend to play, uh, wise guys, professional betters, they tend to play home underdogs. So you're looking at Buffalo. Um, you're looking a little bit at Denver. That line has moved from three and a half down to three. Uh, you're looking at the Jets. Um, you mentioned the Jets when we were coming into the, into this segment. Um, that's a really interesting one because 84% of the tickets are on the Patriots. Um, and anytime that happens, anytime you get a preponderance of tickets at that level, 
against a home dog, then oftentimes that ends up being a, a scenario where the where the home dog covers. So I know the wise guys have been pushing uh, the double di- pushing double digits on the Jets. What about tonight, Minnesota and Green Bay? You said it's usually low scoring between uh, home. Uh, when two divisional teams play against each other. Right now, 67% of the money on Green Bay, 60% of the money, uh, 67% of the bets on Green Bay, 60% of the money is on Green Bay. But Minnesota, four-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Green Bay dealing with all of these injuries. They, you know, we, we hear that Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy aren't getting along again. I, is there any reason to not roll with the Vikings in this for Bears fans because they already want to cheer for the Vikings? I'm, I'm having a hard time thinking that this line has actually moved down to uh, Minnesota minus three, and I'm having a hard time looking at this game and thinking why I wouldn't bet Minnesota. Um, I think they had a, a rough game against the Bears a couple weeks ago, and I actually like uh, this team offensively. Um, I generally like what this team can do defensively. So if, if I have to make a bet in this game, then I'm probably going to bet the Vikings. If we take a look at another game that maybe doesn't have as much importance to many sitting around in the Chicagoland area, but is intriguing to me is based on the Colts and the Dolphins. Is Andrew Luck back, and are the Colts good enough to cover a nine-point spread, which is the line at the moment? Yeah, that's a really tricky one. Like, I don't think, I'm not, like, I think Andrew Luck's having a great year. Uh, And this team on defense is actually much, much better than anyone expect them to be. Now, the expectations for them on defense were so low that if they are in the middle of the pack defensively, then that's fantastic for them. Um, I see this line right now. Let me see if I can find it in my, uh, in my thing here. Yeah, it's at, at minus nine. The Colts are favored by, uh, by nine points. That number has moved down from ten and a half. Um, so what that tells me is that the wise guys were coming in on the Dolphins. They were at least coming in on them when the line was ten and a half and at ten. Now at nine, uh, I still like the Dolphins. Um, with Tannehill coming back, uh, I think that's a lot of points to ask the Colts to cover. And because they've been playing so well and people have sort of started to catch on to them a little bit, um, I think you're getting a little bit of value in the Dolphins there. Chicago's game day here on ESPN 1000. Jeff Miller, Chris Bleck, Adam Abdallah joined by Chad Millman. You can follow him on Twitter at Chad Millman. He's the, what do you, what do you what's your title, Chad, for the Action Network these days? Chief content officer there you go chief content officer he's the he's the man he's the cco of the action network chad all right so important they're absolutely (laughs) (laughs) hey you're in the c-suite we know that all right so chad i'm looking at the Bengals and browns game and the Bengals are a one point favorite at home is that is that almost exclusively because without aj green andy dalton is a vastly worse quarterback that's almost exclusively because people are disgusted by the Bengals um, and the fact that they just continue to disappoint. I would argue mm-hmm. that uh, this is because Hugh Jackson is on the Bengals' sidelines and whatever he might know about the Browns should be discounted, and all of a sudden that makes the Browns uh, everybody's favorite bet. I just think this, I'm not going to stay away from this game. Um, if, I, if I do decide to bet it, I'd probably bet the Browns, um, but I just think this Bengals team, they've sort of lost their way. And without A.J. Green, like you said, they, they sort of were trying to figure it out without Tyler Eifert. Their, off, their defense, which was so heavily touted and played pretty well early in the year, 
is really just not that good. Um, and you saw all of their weaknesses against the Saints when they got blown up by the Saints. And um, I think that the market is reacting to that. There are a couple games where teams from the West Coast are coming over to the East. There's Oakland, there's San Francisco, there's Seattle. What's your philosophy? Do you put any other stock into the, the quote, breakfast football that the teams from the West Coast come out and play when they play on the East? I don't, not really. Um, I don't. Like, teams are so well-trained these days, and they know how to adjust for all different kinds of time zones. It doesn't really... You know, if you're playing football at 10 o'clock instead of 1 o'clock your time, like, you're still playing football late in the day, like, they, you know, late in the, in the morning. So they've sort of built in for all this. I actually like uh, the Niners against the Bucks in this game, and the market does too. This line has moved from the Bucks minus uh, 3 to the Bucks minus 1.5. So uh, the line has moved in the direction of San Francisco. I already said I like the Panthers, but um, that's not because – the Seahawks are traveling east. They were actually coming off a bye. Um, and the Raiders are, you know, they're a bad team. So if they were playing at 10 o'clock, 1 o'clock, or 4 o'clock, I don't think it was going to matter. One of the biggest favorites of the slate, uh, the Chargers hosting the Cardinals. Uh, I'm seeing a 14-point line uh, in favor of the Chargers right now. Uh, how are the Sharps playing this one? They're not. Uh, you know, it's like if they're going to do anything, they're going to play the Cardinals. But right. um, it's like... The Chargers are at home, a team that's been inconsistent, a team that they finally started to sort of believe in a little bit last week as heavy home favorites, and they couldn't close the deal against a Cardinals team that um, the defense has been pretty good. Uh, the offense is continuing to struggle, even with Josh Rosen there after showing some promise. Um, you know, the wise guys just don't bet every game. Like, so a lot of games, there's nothing to see, and they're wise guys because they keep their money in their pocket. There you go. Chad, uh, we've been talking a lot of college football any early line on Alabama, Georgia, and which way Sharps might be leaning? I haven't seen a line on that yet, guys. Hold on one sec. If you give me a second, I'll sure, see if we, I can find something. We can vamp, of course. Uh, Chad Millman of the <laughs> Action Network joining us on ESPN 1000. I know he's gonna, this would be another thing, but I'm more interested in the, uh, the, Northwest, the Northwestern Ohio, Ohio State, State line as well because Northwestern has been de- decent against the spread. I imagine that you know Ohio State will be the way they beat Michigan would be yeah, uh, the, a heavy favorite. The problem is uh, Ohio State's a little bit different of a beast uh, offensively. No, 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 than, I uh, know, I know. And the fighting Illini that yes. uh, Northwestern squeaked by yesterday. Yes, yeah, uh, I agree with so, you there, but you never know. You say squeaked in a demeaning way, Chris. Well, did you hear the end of the game? Did you see the end of the game yesterday? I chose Why not to. Why was that game close at the end? I chose not to. I well, assume Lovey Smith turned the a, ball over. That's had a way Northwestern of, turned the ball over. Starters weren't on the field. I mean, it's not great. So, I mean, that that's a game they should have definitely handled, uh, the fighting Illini. But uh, I think uh, Ohio State's a little bit different offensively. All right, Chad, how do we do? We vamp enough for you? Or you, are you guys still having some really good vamping. <laughs> I'm still looking. Hold on one uh, second. It's okay. Um, it's, you know, it's not that important. There's, I know no, we're still... Uh, I have another uh, NFL question for, for Chad real quick. We've been yeah. talking a lot about today about Mitchell Trubisky and his health, and he may not be available against the Giants. What does Vegas think of Mitchell Trubisky Ooh. and how he affects the line if he's not ready to go against the Giants I, I, on the road I would imagine the Bears would still be a favorite just because they're a better team than the Giants and they have the better defense and Chase Daniel might not be that much of a drop-off but what about when it comes to a home game against the Rams in a couple weeks or even in the playoffs how much of a factor to the line per se would Mitchell Trubisky be 
He's probably about three points. And I, I just put you on speaker for a second just because I'm looking for uh, – I'm still looking for some lines here. He's worth about three points. And, and you know, you saw the same thing with Chase Dan- – with um, Colt McCoy and Alex Smith. Um, hold on. Let's see. There is no line so far for Bama, Georgia, and there's no line for Ohio State, uh, Northwestern yet. Um, but Trubisky's going to be worth about three points. Like, he's proven a lot to bookmakers this year. But if you're talking about, like, highest-tier quarterbacks, you're talking about Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, guys like that, those are the guys who are worth, like, six, seven, eight points against the spread. Um, Mitch Trubisky isn't there yet. Like, he's been a good quarterback. But, look, the Bears, they played decent against the Lions. Uh, at least Chase Daniel played well enough. He was accurate. He threw, threw a touchdown pass, like, he kept them in the game when they have a defense that is really good. If you're talking about the Giants, yes, the Bears are still going to be favored. Um, but it's not going to be that much of a huge difference between Trubisky and Chase Daniel for the bookmakers. That is Chad Millman of the Action Network. And that's why we turn to him when we ask ignorant questions that don't even have lines yet. He sets us straight. <laughs> Chad, thanks a lot for your time this morning. We appreciate it. Talk to you later. All right, take it easy. That is Chad Millman again on the Action Network. Check it out if you have, uh, uh, you know, if you're fiending for some uh, action. The Action Network has you covered. Well, and uh, Jeff uh, Abdal and I always are. So as we were talking, I was writing down based on what placing bets as as we were teasers. Well, yeah. So Chad was just giving the opinion on games. He's not doing like a best play for us. So I wrote down Giants, Dolphins, Jets, Bills, Broncos, Panthers. So I'm currently trying to put this into a sweetheart teaser. That's what we got to do. If you go to the Action Network, and it's a great uh, tool for gambling. And he has oh, his yeah. picks up there, yeah. and his official picks are the under in the Eagles and uh, Giants game, and then the uh, Panthers minus three against the Seahawks. Those are his picks that he's put into action because you can follow his picks along yeah. at actionnetwork.com. Yeah, it's cool. They chart him. You can chart a whole bunch of different people, experts, um, different. Radio, TV personalities put mm-hmm. their picks all on there. You see it there. And also, you can see the smart money. You can see the percentage of bets. You can see the percentage of money spent uh, on each game, which uh, Chad was giving us the information for, which is outstanding. So I've got a seven-team teaser here. Uh, six points gives us plus 900. What do you think, Abdallah? Should we do it? Ooh, yeah. yeah see, see what we'll I'm talking about? We'll talk in the break. We'll talk in the all break. Right, all, right. We'll talk in the break. all right, so we will sort through that. Jeff, you want to get in on that? I, I Again, we will talk in the break okay, and figure right. out what exactly we're going to do. Eric, you if, want to if we sort through this, uh, we will hopefully give you See, an update. See, Jeff, uh, usually we are not here at this time. Sure. And no, this I is what Abdallah and I do through text, is we give each other what we're going to bet on, and then I send him these ridiculous teasers, and he goes, yeah, but this. And I go, ah, come on, Abdallah. Let's, ah, yeah, you want to? Ah, I could tease the Vikings up to 10 points. Come on. Ridiculous. <laughs> that is Chris Black. Along with Adam Abdallah, I am Jeff Maller. This is Chicago's Game Day, talking plenty more football for you. Again, we will also discuss the biggest news of the day for Bears fans, Mitchell Trubisky, and just how long he may be out with his injured shoulder. We'll talk about that next, right here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. It is indeed. I'm Jeff Meller alongside Chris Black and Adam Abdallah taking you up till noon ahead of just a horrific NFL slate of games. Way to, way to sell it, Jeff. Patriots wow, and Jets right here on right, ESPN right, 1000. Right, yeah. Very sell little. It. Wait, 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 wait. Just because it's not interesting doesn't mean you don't want to consume it, gentlemen. 
And of course, if you're driving around, you want to consume NFL football. Patriots and Jets, we've got you covered. MetLife Stadium, the Patriots visiting the Jets. We're carrying it for you. And if that's not enough, don't worry. we got more for you. Pittsburgh at Denver for the afternoon. Capper, you have a uh, 325 start there at Mile High. So... And remember, well, folks, if it's not interesting, it doesn't mean you, you don't have to consume exactly. it. Exactly. Words of wisdom. Come on, Jeff. Sell it harder. I, NFL football today. I'm not going to lie to Week the people, 12 Chris. Chris, on ESPN you 1000. can lie to them all you want. Give them, give them the teaser that you're entertaining so that you can make this these games more interesting. Well, listen, if you just listen to Chad Milliman talk with us, uh, maybe a lot of people are going to be on the Jets and uh, adding the points of the 12 and a half or 13, wherever you're shopping. And I, to me, am very interested to see if a home Jets squad can stay close with the New England Patriots and Tom Brady. You know what that is. That's, that's not what the people that's want. That's all want the to more know. reason, Adam. That's all the more reason to listen to the entire game here on ESPN. The people want to know that you got a teaser with the Panthers, Giants, Jets, Bills, Broncos, Dolphins, and Bucks right now. That's what the people want to know. Yes, that one is going to go bust. I guarantee. That was it. Panthers, Giants, Jets, Bills, Broncos, oh. Dolphins, and Bucks. For those of you keeping tabs, you can't win them all, <laughs> and that's. That's, uh, that's on, our motto. Here. But on a teaser, you do need to win them all. Chris. I like the Vikings today. I don't know if you guys uh, are in on that. Oh, you got the best Vikings play for us, I like the Vikings. I think they, 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 get the, uh, what's, uh, they get the job done, as the kids say. I do like the Panthers. Uh, I will, I'll lay the three. I don't even need to tease that and go to plus three. A lot like of you, juice Chris. on that, though. I got, I got minus that's, 125 juice on that. It's a lot of juice. You know what you do when that's the case? Drink it in. You just bet more, Adam, oh, okay. to make sure you okay. win more. Okay. That way you, right. you're, you're in good shape. Whatever you, you know what you do? I like to bet. This is, this is my philosophy. How much do I want to win today? That's how much I'm going to lay in order to make sure that I, I, like I that. actually win that amount. That's how I play. I like that. I like it's that. Never, it's a fail I like safe. That. I like the over in the Eagles uh, <laughs> game. So sorry, <laughs> Chad. Yeah, that was, uh, I mean, look, Chad might be right, but. I got it at 48 and a half, though. That's me. So I took the over. So if it, if it hits a 49, Chad and I are both winners. It's true. Th- this year in the NFL, there's not, I just don't want to play unders, period. There's, there's or college. Two. Yeah. I made that mistake yesterday with Michigan, uh, Notre Dame or Michigan, Ohio State. I played that under. Don't bet unders. It's stupid. And it's not fun. No, no it's not. Oh. You, ju- you just sit there sweating the entire game. Imagine having the under in Texas A&M LSU. How, <laughs> how about there's never, there is never a point when you've bet an under when you feel good. It, the like, under, the over hit in just overtime points. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, look at a game like Stanford and UCLA yesterday. You'd say, oh, Stanford's got a good defense. That could probably go under. That score was 49-42 as well. I but, mean, but not only games, that, man. But, but here's the honest-to-God truth. If you bet an under, there's never a time when you really feel good unless you're under two minutes and you've still got, like, right. 30 points to play with. Yeah, and they're in uh, victory formation. You be, you'll be heading into, you know, the fourth quarter of an over-under of 50, 25 points scored you still don't feel safe no so there's nothing fun about betting the under all right don't go anywhere we've got you covered with all the latest inactives around the nfl that you're going to want to know about to help set your fantasy football lineup i'm jeff meller along with chris black and adam abdallah this is chicago's game day here on esp this is chicago's game day only on espn 1000 at espnchicago.com Hello. Good almost afternoon here on ESPN 1000. I'm Jeff Meller, along with Chris Bleck and Adam Abdallah. 
talking football with you here on a rainy Sunday. Ugh. Looks like that's uh, not fun to be out in, gentlemen. Looks like we might have to uh, open up an umbrella on our way out of here in about an hour. Yeah, and we've got uh, da- heavy snow and dangerously windy conditions coming tonight, so be careful. I don't know about you guys, but this uh, seems perfect for me. Yeah, yeah, but I got to get to my car first. Okay. Then it's perfect. You're Once I get home, now you like get this, home. Yeah. You say, "Oh, it's crappy outside." I'm going to watch football I'm not for eight going straight hours anywhere. That's fine, Chris. That but as I good point to me. out, this game, this slate of games, is going to put That's you fine. to sleep today. So watch Dark Knight Rises. Football's better it's than no on. football. Dark Knight Rises is always on somewhere. I TNT, will, TBS. I, I will agree with you that football is better than no football. And as I mentioned earlier, I will run through the uh, some of the key. Inactives today around the NFL. AJ Green is out, as was expected earlier today. Devin Funchess out for the Panthers. Alex Collins out for the Ravens, and that's probably good news for fantasy owners because you don't even have to think about starting him. Gus Edwards, the lead back in Baltimore now with Lamar Jackson under center. Charles Clay out for the Bills. Uh, any other big names that you may have been worried about that are playing today? Tim, uh, Tim, Tom Brady is in. Doug Baldwin is active. Rob Gronkowski is active as well. And uh, David Njoku and Deshaun Jackson are all going to be available for their team. Somebody who may not be available for their team when their next game is played. Mitchell Trubisky. We found out earlier today, per Adam Schefter, that while the Bears are hopeful that Mitch can play next Sunday, that is not necessarily a lock. And even if if he would be unavailable next Sunday, they would be hoping for him to return the following week against the Rams. So Mitchell Trubisky's availability right now for the Giants game up in the air. Up in the air, but it sounds as if it's more of a precaution to make sure that he's healthy in the long run than it being something serious that could cause him being out for multiple games. So even though he may miss two games, it's more of a let's make sure he's right for the Rams game. And let's not get him out there, get hurt against the Giants, and then really have to worry about something going forward. I think that you have to, as a Bears fan, be concerned, though, moving forward because his ability to leave the pocket and become a runner and pick up a quick first down, run out of bounds, or whatever it is, his ability to run has been a strength of the offense. uh, And at times he uses it his judgment poorly when he, maybe he should just throw the ball away or slide early or whatever. And ultimately that led to this injury. And you have to worry as a Bears fan moving forward that when he does come back healthy, whether it be against the Giants or against the Rams, uh, you have to worry moving forward that another hit could re-injure that shoulder and he may be out for more significant time or for a more uh, important game than the Giants on the road in week whatever it is. That voice you just heard, Adam Abdallah. Let's listen to NFL legend, Pro Football Hall of Famer Steve Young echo those sentiments. I tell every quarterback that asks me that can move around, you have to tie your legs up. Because if you don't, you don't learn the job. And I'm completely convinced that if if you will, as a mobile quarterback, learn the, the intricacies and the rigor of delivering the ball from the pocket and all the things that you have to memorize and have reflexive recall to be able to own all the data so you're ahead of the defense and you can do it all from the pocket, then after all's done, you can still go threaten them, you know, sideline to sideline. You cannot be stopped. But if all you do is say, I'm going to make a lot of plays, there's not enough plays. There's not enough plays that you can make 
to win a championship, but the guys will go through the rigor. You know, Aaron Rodgers, who could spit out 50, 60 yards a game without even trying? Rushing, he could do it. But he learned the job, and that's why he's so. That's why it's so. You know, uh, you know, such a threat because it's truly a dual threat. People say you're a dual threat quarterback. You're not a dual threat until you can actually do it from right. the pocket. That was Steve Young about a month ago with Waddle and Sylvie discussing Mitchell Trubisky and how he does need to cut back on the running and actually learn the game from dissecting from dissecting it point of view and understand the game mentally before he can go ahead and take the step up in terms of quarterbacking at the next level yeah the way i look at it is that he has had a bunch of empty rushing yards at this point because you know in the long term it doesn't really help you win a championship and what steve young said there is perfect he has to tie up his feet which means he needs to make the pass instead of always bailing out of the the pocket to get the cheap yards and what i mean by cheap is picking up eight 12 15 yards because he ran the ball is great in that moment But isn't it more impactful if instead he goes over the top and hits a 30-yard touchdown pass because he waited that extra second? And the fact that he's so eager to bail out of the pocket is an issue because the more you run as a quarterback, the more chances there are for you to get hurt. And what we've seen now in this season is even though he's the leading rusher for the Chicago Bears and the rushing from Trubisky has been a positive in the offensive scheme overall, what has happened in the last week and a half? He's been injured. He's not going to play against the Lions. We saw that. He may not play against the Giants. That could happen going forward. If he gets banged up and gets hurt even more, that's going to be a problem for this Bears offense as we head towards the playoffs. I think ultimately, too, he just needs to become a better pocket passer. Like he, he well, needs to. He's, yeah. he's progressed so far this season, which is good to see. But we saw early in this season that if the first read wasn't there, he was either overthrowing, underthrowing, or running, or he would just throw it away. And that is a problem. You need to be able to move around in the pocket. He was getting happy feet in the pocket. He wasn't, you know, looking around a lot. He was very uh, transparent in where he was going to throw the ball, and that led to whether it was turnovers or overthrown balls or whatever. The point is that he needs to be better in the pocket, and that takes time. And Matt Nagy has developed a system where he's going to get wide receivers open. Sometimes it's going to take a little bit longer to get those wide receivers open. Allen Robinson is a great wide receiver. It might take him an extra second or two to get open, and Trubisky needs to not be running or tucking the ball and running as soon as he doesn't see a guy open. Sometimes you need to uh, see a guy like Deshaun Watson, who Steve Young was talking about, who can run a little bit, move the pocket around to get a guy open, to make that throw, to find the open receiver and not try to get hurt. Because ultimately, this time it's just a shoulder injury. Next time it could be worse. We saw Aaron Rodgers' season be be done by a, a, a collarbone injury. We've seen quarterbacks tear their ACLs. This is something that is going to happen to Mitchell Trubisky if he continues to just run all the time. He needs to be better at being a quarterback and not just being a guy who can kind of throw in the an run. athlete. An athlete. Yeah, an you athlete. can't you yeah. can't run forever because eventually you'll get caught. Yeah. And when you get caught, the chances are quarterbacks get hurt when yeah. they get caught. And this isn't Madden football. Remember back in the day how we would outlaw someone using the Falcons because you'd be like, <laughs> all they would do is they would roll out with Michael Vick and then just run because it was just so easy to do or someone playing with the Eagles back in the day on Madden. That's not how the NFL works. Quarterbacks get hurt. It's just a matter of fact, matter of life. So the fact that Trubisky is 
choosing to run so frequently, it has helped the offense to this point, but for them that succeed in the future, he can't do it as much because he needs to be on the field, and that's more important than the rushing yards he's gotten. I would agree with you that he does, going forward, need to become better at playing within the pocket. However, for this season alone, I do think if the Bears have any real chance of being a threat to the Rams and Saints, who are at right now the top of the NFC, in order for the Bears to be a true threat, Offensively, I don't think Mitch can win it from the pocket. If the Bears are going to win against either of those two teams, I think the recipe is going to be the defense has to play really well and hopefully hold teams like the Rams and Saints to maybe 28 to 31 points. And then Mitch has to find a way as the Bears quarterback. And it's a lot of this going to be reliant on his ability to move the chains as a runner. And then Mitch has to hopefully find a way to maybe score 32 to 35 points. And you get out of there with a win because your defense, while 31 points sounds like a lot against the Saints and Rams, it's really not. And you're going to need Matt Nagy's scheme and Mitchell Trubisky's running ability this year alone. Now, I agree with you completely going forward. He needs to get better. But what do you say to that, to my premise that in order for the Bears to be true Super Bowl contenders this mm-hmm. year, you need Trubisky to run like he has? No, here's why, where this is a layered conversation. Because in a situation, say third and 14, and he can scramble out of the pocket to move the chains and get that first down in a playoff game, yeah, you would like him to make the the smart play and move the change and allow the Bears to try and win a game. Uh, that makes perfect sense to me. But I, I, what I'm disagreeing with, with you on and what we're kind of talking about here is him being the leading rusher on the team. Him using the rush as one of his number one options opposed to everything else as the option before it. So to, to answer your question, Jeff, is I would also uh, argue that I wonder if they have a better chance to win a football game with him throwing from the pocket than over the backup quarterback. You see what I'm saying? Because yeah. like if you eliminate the running yeah. part of it, I which would you prefer? Because I would prefer the quarterback to be healthy. That's number one, and that's what I'm arguing is that if he's healthy, I like their chances with him in there over the quarterback who's in there running as his first or second option. Certainly. Does that make sense? I, but like my point is that I think the offense, if you take away Trubisky's, you know, threat as yeah, a mobile it quarterback, back. it sure. becomes very similar to what I, and I, I do expect if Chase Daniel starts against the Giants next week that I think we'll see a little better from him because he'll finally have an oh, opportunity yeah. to do so, you know, to run some reps in practice and not do the mental reps that we had to see from, you know, that, that the only opportunity he had last week when the Bears were on the short rest week. I think that ultimately he sits this week. Uh, Trubisky. And yeah, Trubisky sits this week. Chase Daniel gets the start. They get the win, and then you see him play against the Rams. Now, the problem with playing against the Rams is you have to play against Aaron Donald and Dominican Sue, and those are big dudes, and if they fall on Mitchell Trubisky, then I'm worried about his shoulder again. So he has to do – I think that Matt Nagy will have to devise a game plan where he's getting the ball out quicker, he uh, receivers are getting open, and you said uh, Chris earlier that they they are very uh, they lead the league in time of possession. So they don't have, lead the league; they're uh, like six. Th- okay, but that's six without a running game, and that's I fine. think that's what's important. That's fine. That's the recipe for success against the Rams. You take the ball away from them, and you try to have long and sustained drives, and that's going to involve Mitchell Trubisky coming back from his shoulder injury and getting the ball out quicker and not re-injuring that shoulder. 
Let's talk now with Mike Renner of Pro Football Focus. Maybe delve a little bit deeper into the numbers here as we talk all things football. Mike, I'll start you out with the Bears-related question just when you look at it from afar. Do you think the Bears' defense in this day and age when offense is so prevalent and it's difficult to stop teams like the Rams, the Chiefs, and the Saints, do you think the Bears' defense actually could be up to the task in a playoff game, Mike? I don't think you're stopping any of those teams. You know, I don't think you're holding them to 10, you know, 13 points, something like that. But at the same time, you hold them to 21, 24 with the offense you have, you give yourself a shot. And so you're always in a game like that. Uh, so I, I do think they are capable of them. I do think they are the best defense in the NFC right now. And so from that perspective, they have sort of the trump card uh, as opposed to all these other, you know, offensive heavy teams with weak uh, defenses on the other side of the ball. So, Mike, after the uh, Adam Schefter report that Mitch Trubisky might miss the Giants game next week, we've been having a discussion this morning whether or not Trubisky can beat teams by just staying in the pocket or at the point of his development right now, he has to use his legs and run for this Bears offense to be effective. Where do you fall in in, the, in this conversation? I think his legs at the moment are one of his biggest strengths. And I do think... It, while he can sort of facilitate, you can play around that with screens and other stuff from the pocket. I do think that he can't, that he's not at that point in his career where he can purely win as a pocket passer. You see, in a lot of times, he just hasn't, you know, gone through his progression. When he, when he breaks down, when he doesn't go through all his progressions, when he doesn't, uh, you know, find an open guy, he's been so dangerous and converted a lot of third downs with his legs. That's just not going to be there. There's going to be a lot of drives killed without that. So I do think. He's not quite there yet as a passer. What do you think of Mitchell Trubisky so far this season in Matt Nagy's system? It's been a hard evaluation because there's been games, you know, the Tampa Bay game, a handful of others where he looks, you know, just dominant. He looks like a the guy you drafted in the top three surefire franchise guy. And then there's other head scratchers who make some decisions. Uh, you know, that throw against the Patriots where he targeted an offensive lineman in the back of the end zone. You know, some just ugly, ugly decisions with the football where you're like, that's not. You know, hopefully those get cleaned up. At the same time, we saw that from him at North Carolina at times. So he's kind of maybe that's just going to be part of his game. So you got to sort of, he might be one of those guys where you're going to have to take the bad with the good, but the high end with him, as we've seen, has been dominant at times. We're talking with Mike Renner of Pro Football Focus right here on ESPN 1000, Chicago's Game Day. I'm Jeff Meller along with Chris Bleck and Adam Abdallah. Mike, the NFC is a true dogfight right now between the Saints and Rams for home field advantage. And if you look over the schedules, the Saints right now, who played on Thursday, obviously, they will play again on Thursday against the Cowboys. Then they have the Bucks, the Panthers, the Steelers, and they'll close the season with a second game against the Panthers. Meanwhile, the Rams have a much easier schedule at least on paper with the lions bears eagles cardinals and 49ers right now push comes to shove i force you to make a decision who do you think will have home field advantage uh, at the end of the season for the nfc i truthfully think it's going to be the rams i think they're getting a huge lead back and i think they might go 15 and 1 14 and 2 at the same time while the saints look unbeatable right now i do think that the defense still has its weaknesses and the secondary is really not that great for new orleans it can be attacked and the offense, we've seen it come and go at times. It's not going to be utterly as dominant as we've seen them in recent weeks. So I do think that they'll at least have one hiccup along the way, maybe two for New Orleans. And at that point, I think that's enough for the Rams to sneak back in there. How impressed have you been with Drew Brees this season? Is he the MVP of the league? Oh, 100%. It's absurd what he's doing from an accuracy perspective. And we have some just like the way we slice up our numbers on throws 
10 plus yards down the field. His completion percentage is like 8% more than anyone else on throws into tight windows because we track, uh, you know, how close defenders are. He's like 12 percentage points higher than the next best quarterback in terms of completing those passes. He's just, the way he's throwing the football right now, I've never really seen a quarterback with the pinpoint accuracy that he's been. Probably the best game of the day is tonight as the uh, Packers head to Minnesota to take on the Vikings. What do you think of Aaron Rodgers moving forward this season? Should they fire Mike McCarthy or not? Do you think he can, the, the Packers can build a team around him for the Packers to regain control of the NFC with the Vikings and the Bears being as good as they are? I do think that I think this is it for McCarthy and Rodgers. I just think that the relationship, I don't think Rodgers really trusts the play calling. And just from a, watching him throughout his entire career, he's just not comfortable with what's being dialed up. He's just not willing to unleash the football and throw to guys. Some of that might be, you know, he doesn't have the receivers that he's had in the past that he trusts. He's working with a lot of rookies. But at the same time, I think some of it's also the play calling and, uh, there's probably jokes to be made about, you know, Rogers' uh, family here and this little McCarthy, but uh, <laughs> I, I think that there's something there where it's just he doesn't, they're, at, they're meant to be part ways at this point, him and McCarthy. Uh, Mike, the rest of the slate today, very, not very enticing, but you do have the Seahawks traveling to Carolina in what will be a critical game for both teams in terms of their playoff push. How do you see this one playing out? you think the Carolina Panthers bounce back after a very meh game against the Lions a couple a week ago? Yeah, I do think the Panthers end up winning this one. Uh, although I, both teams are very, I think they're two very similarly built teams. They're both run heavy, both have running quarterbacks. Uh, both utilize them in the run game. I think they're one and two in terms of you know teams that have used option looks from the quarterbacks this season, Seahawks being number one. They do a ton of that. And so, I think that's really going to be the thing that decides it. But at the same time, I think I trust the Panthers' run defense a little more than the Seahawks' run defense at this point. So that's why I'd go with Carolina. Which team uh, has been more disappointing to you this season, the Jacksonville Jaguar or the Eagles, the Philadelphia Eagles, coming off a Super Bowl, but yet they're only four and uh, six? I think it's the Jacksonville Jaguars, personally, because the Eagles have sort of an excuse. You didn't have Carson Wentz at the beginning of the season. You lost the game without him. Uh, you didn't have, you know, the secondary's just been absolutely decimated with injuries. It's not the same team, really, on that side of the ball. So I can sort of forgive that. But at the same time, the Jaguars haven't really had injuries on defense. That defense is the exact same talent-wise that's been a, or a season ago. Yeah, hasn't played nearly the, what we've seen from them in the past. Uh, and you thought they'd get better. They have so much young talent on that roster. You thought they could even get better than they were a season ago. That hasn't been the case at all. And then Blake Bortles, uh, while I'm not surprised that he's playing the way he is, he's just completely regressed, just taking no step forward whatsoever. So I think they're by far to be 3-7 and seven right now with not a very difficult division that they've been in. is pretty absurd. What do you think happens in Baltimore if Lamar Jackson keeps playing well? I think, I mean, Flacco's got to be out at this point. You've, had, you've given him about the longest leash I've ever seen a quarterback be given. I mean, he's been objectively worse than even Eli Manning over recent years and still – you know, is earning, you know, 20 plus million dollars a season there, has running one of the worst offenses in the NFL, just really doing nothing from a passing game perspective. And everyone to say, oh, was the, you know, he had no receivers around him, had no talent. All of a sudden now he has receivers and well, the results are pretty much the same. So I think you, when we saw from Lamar Jackson last week, the run heavy stuff, you can win in the NFL with an offense like that. So I do think that. It's uh, probably the end of the rope for Blackout. We're talking with Mike Renner of Pro Football Focus right here on ESPN 1000. Mike, I'm going to keep it in the AFC North here. And with the Steelers, uh, they're, 
visiting the Broncos today, a game you can hear right here on ESPN 1000 at 325. The Steelers at 7-2-1 and one in good position if they can actually take care of business, maybe beat the Patriots for once. They could actually have themselves a bye in the AFC. But I wonder, I've watched James Conner all year, and while he's been impressive in picking up the slack for Le'Veon Bell, who obviously is gone now, won't be a part of the Steelers, even though he's been productive, I do think the offense lacks a bit of that dynamic burst that they had when Bell was in the backfield. And even though Connor's productive, I wonder if eventually not having someone like Le'Veon Bell in the backfield will be what trips up the Steelers along with maybe a defense that, while okay, is not necessarily great. I mean, I think Connor's definitely a downgrade for Bell. I'm not going to argue that Connor, you know, is on the same level as Le'Veon Bell was, but at the same time, he could do a good enough imitation in my mind that I don't think that's going to be their downfall. The only way I could really see that being the case is if you get into a bad weather game uh, in the playoffs outdoors so where you have to, where you really just can't pass the football. Because I think it's almost a good thing that you don't have, that they're not sort of leaning on Le'Veon Bell as much as they have in the past because they have such a dynamic receiving core with Antonio Brown and you know Juju Smith-Schuster. They're on pace for some ridiculous numbers, both of those guys. Uh, and So I think that's almost a good thing that they're targeting those guys more and not really you know, putting a hand in the uh, passing game. But at the same time, if you do get in the playoffs, you really are in a situation weather-wise where you can't pass. I would trust Le'Veon Bell in bad weather much more than I trust James Conner to start picking up first downs for me. So I think that's really the only way that could really come back to fight for The Colts uh, started this season 1-5, in five, and they've won four straight games. Is Andrew Luck back to playing where he was before the injuries? I think so. I thought we saw early in the season the arm strength didn't look quite 100% back, and there was that you know Hail Mary where they took him out even. I put in Jacoby Brissett to throw it, but I do think in recent weeks, just a lot more throws down the field. He was just so hesitant to let it loose early in the season. I think his average depth of target was one of the lowest in the NFL, if not the lowest, in like the first five weeks. It's been a lot more of plays down the field. Some of that's been some facing some, you know, not great teams that they've, uh, you know, bounced back like this, but I do think a lot of it has been Andrew Luck just looks, you know, back to what we saw from him before. Probably the best of both worlds for you yesterday as Notre Dame beats USC and Ohio State crushes Michigan. How do you think Notre Dame stacks up? They're probably going to play Clemson, most likely, if they end up, if everybody ends up winning out. How do you think they stack up against Clemson in the playoff? I don't think it's a great matchup for Notre Dame. I'll be honest. I said the way to beat Notre Dame, the best way is just to have a good defensive line because I think this is one of the worst ND offensive lines, at least in the last five or so years, uh, since, you know, the Brian Kelly, uh, era there. They just don't have a lot of talent up front. So if you have guys who can win your one-on-one matchups against this NDO line, uh, I think you're going to give Ian Brooks, Brooks some trouble. He has not been great under pressure this season. He's been good when he can get the ball out of his hands quickly. So I don't think it's a great matchup. But at the same time, uh, this ND defense, I think, is getting a little underrated. They have a lot of, just in terms of draftable talent, I think there's six or seven guys on here that could go in the first four rounds on that Notre Dame defense either this year or next year. I do think there's a lot of just sort of underrated talent there that's not really getting talked about. They don't have many big names, but I do think there's a lot of talented players. So uh, we'll see. I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any means. I'm probably going to regret saying that, but uh, I do think it's not a great matchup for Notre Dame. And full disclosure for those who are unaware, Mike Renner, of course, is a Notre Dame alum, so he gives you completely... Unbiased. Exactly. Unbiased. 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 But hey, he, he oh, said absolutely. he's not... He, he mentions it's not a great matchup in his opinion. So, all right, Mike Renner of Pro Football Focus, thanks so, thanks so much for joining us today. We appreciate your time. For sure. Thanks for having me, fellas.
All right. Again, that is Mike Renner of Pro Football Focus. I'm Jeff Meller along with Adam Abdallah and Chris Bleck. This is Chicago's Game Day here on ESPN 1000. No bachelorette questions for Mike Renner. Last time I asked him a bunch of bachelorette questions because he was on it. So I, uh, yeah, you got I that refrained. out of your system. I refrain to talk Thank about, you. uh, Thank Colton's, you, Adam, for keeping this Colton's sports new season is he's going to be the next bachelor. It starts soon. I, I refrain from asking him Colton well, questions. Th- th- thank you for keeping it sports. Cause I know they're friends. So that was. That was good restraint. Where, 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 where are you going with this? No, I'm just saying. He just I, wants us to compliment. You, you want to be, showing yeah, some restraint. Well, what's I do. The deal here? Do you want to ask people, more people what they're thankful for? Yeah. No. yeah so here's the thing. Call us up. 312-332-3776. Not, not only am I you thankful, thankful for Ryan Pace uh, this holiday season because he got Khalil Mack, Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, mm-hmm. Matt Nagy. Mm-hmm. I'm thankful just Cody for the Parkey. Bears. You Cody know why? Bears. I'm thankful for the Bears because they got Ryan Pace. Cody Parkey. <laughs> Thank you for Cody Parkey. To the Bears. Uh, we will continue to discuss the Bears. Where do the Bears rank amongst the NFC elite with the Saints and Rams? Could they actually, can you entertain the notion of the Bears actually winning a couple of playoff games and maybe, just maybe, making a march to the Super Bowl in Atlanta this year? We'll listen to Lewis Riddick next talk about where the Bulls, where the Bulls, where the Bears are amongst the NFC's elite right here on ESPN 1000. To the Bears. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back. I'm Jeff Meller, along with Chris Bleck and Adam Abdallah, taking you up till noon ahead of a NFL doubleheader today. We have Patriots at Jets for you at MetLife Stadium starting at noon, and then that'll be followed up by the Steelers visiting the Broncos in Denver at Mile High Stadium. Jeff, we have some uh, breaking news breaking this morning. News. Uh, Illinois football, the Illini director of athletics, Josh Whitman, has announced today a two-year contract extension for head coach Lovey Smith. Get that money. Smith at Illinois through 2023. That is a new uh, contract, new paper for Lovey Smith and Abdallah. I will let you uh, have the floor. How many wins has he had with that beard? Ten-win beard, four-win coach. Get that money, Lovey. How about that? We all knew he wasn't going to be fired. I didn't know he was going to be extended. Uh, but... You know, last week you lose to Iowa 63 nothing. <laughs> you lose by eight this week against your in-state rival Northwestern. That deserves a contract extension. Yeah, but they covered. Uh, if you go to the 2019 team rankings as we uh, talk a little college football here, Jeff, uh, I hope you don't mind uh, since we usually Sorry. host the Chicago's College Tailgate on ESPN 1000 with Jonathan Hood. Uh Going into 2019 recruiting class, Illinois is ranked 66th in the country, and I believe they they are ranked 12th in the Big Ten. Two-year contract extension for Lovey Smith. All right, yeah, all right, good job. Way to go, fighting Illini. Woo! Listen, they made progress. They won two more games this year, didn't they? They won two games last year. They won four games this year. Yeah, you beat you beat Western Illinois and Kent State. Okay. You beat Rutgers, who's one of the few teams that's actually worse than you in the Big Ten. All right. And you beat, I'll give you credit, you beat P.J. Fleck in Minnesota. Row that boat. That's a good win. Row, and you covered Corby against, Smith got a good win. You covered against Northwestern. Um, All well, right. I, 
The problem with Lovey is Lovey was hired late. So you have to think you, when, when you say, oh, it's his third year. These are all his guys. It's not really because he was hired late. So he's a recruiting class behind. Yes. Now they're bad and the recruiting classes are bad. So next year will really be Lovey's guys. That being said, he hasn't really done much. I would say to warrant an extension. This seems like the AD who brought him in when they got a new athletic director and, they, and he, his first hire was we're bringing in Lovey Smith. This is the AD just doubling down and just saying, nope, Lovey's our guy, whether you like it or not. You mentioned the recruiting class being a class behind because he got hired late. I mean, okay, but then in the future, 2019, you shouldn't be 66 no, in the country on Rivals.com. I agree with you. Well, wait, wait, wait. Okay. Well, you got to pound the pavement. You got to get some recruits in there. Come on. But here's what I'll say. In Rivals.com, no doubt, cover college or uh, high school football a lot closer than I. But... At for me, recruiting classes and your rank, they're great to talk about when commits are handing in their letters of intent. But the reality is, I need to see it play out on the football field. Well, and yes, I mean Jeff, come on now. Let, so let's be real. Wait, wait, wait. Let me finish up before you put a whole lot of stock in the 66th ranking. I'm, I'm not going to. I'm sorry until I see stuff play out on the field. I'm not. That's okay, not going to yeah, sway me. Okay. Yes. That. Yes. Okay. Until oh. it plays out on the field, you're right. The problem is, mm-hmm. usually teams at the top of the re- recruiting list are usually the teams that are at the top of the rankings because they're the teams that have the better players. So, yes, I agree with you. Until it actually happens, we have to see it. But if Lovey Smith in Illinois was in the, t- in the 30th, if they were in the top 40 teams in the country in recruiting, you'd say, hey, at least he's making uh, headway in the fact that they're getting some better players in at Illinois. Mm-hmm. But when the only team in the Big Ten you're out recruiting is Rutgers, you're not doing anything. So how do you expect it to change if your recruiting is not going to be there, which means the players aren't there to then actually get those wins on the field that you're but talking until about? You get, okay, but if it's truly his second real recruiting class, because would you agree with... Abdallah's premise that because he was hired late that it was very difficult to have a legit recruiting class that first year. Do you agree with that premise? Agree with me. You should agree with me. Okay. I'm saying because that's we got to have a starting point somewhere. So if we work off of that premise next year, let's see what they actually bring to the table. Now, the extension, I don't know. We don't have the details as to is is there. Do you think they're giving him any significant actual pay in in this two year extension? Or do you think it's perhaps just extending out the years? But in terms of like actual finance, I, I, because because he's proven so little on the field, I can't think it's a very lucrative extension. It's more if if nothing else, this is a way for Josh Whitman to reassure Lovey Smith that don't worry, we've got your back. We're not going to be firing you this year or next year. Because if nothing else, it's prohibitive from a buyout. We were talking about USC's sure. buyout with Clay Helton. Illinois is not in the business of paying massive buyouts to football coaches. No, and ultimately. I think that like uh, this is the best Illinois is going to do as it, far as a coach. Well, and then that's a sad state. Maybe for blue Illinois it football, is then. because because look at the uh, in the rankings of jobs, even in the Big Ten, where does Illinois fall? Sure, it's it's low. But what I will say is when you when you when you announce this extension, you signal to the recruits 
Especially, yeah, sure. that especially when the stable. timing yeah. is in November. Yeah. Hey, of course, of course. Don't course. worry if you want to come play for a coach who's actually coaching the they Super Bowl. Just did, I don't know who he is, or I just remember reading a couple weeks ago or so that, about him getting a big recruit. Like he got a big, yeah. Like he got okay. a high, a highly touted recruit to come to Illinois, and people were like, I oh, think this oh, was a, oh. this was a move. This, this this could actually end up being in some ways a shrewd move by the Illini because they're saying, hey, look. Lovey Smith, we, we're, we're committed to him and the future. Don't worry if you if you legitimately want to come play for if you're a Midwestern kid who grew up on the Bears and Lovey Smith actually his defense was something you actually watched and 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 really enjoyed. Whatever if you're in high school now, that actually may be a selling point where you can say come play for Lovey Smith. I think it actually might be for Illini football. It might actually be a shrewd move, believe it or not. Well, I, I think it's a placeholder. I think that's what it does yeah. because it allows you, since you're not going to be in a bowl game, mm-hmm. over the next week to yeah. two weeks, go out and recruit, Yes, not have to worry about prep or anything else. And if you can go out and say that this coach is returning, you can actually go and actually take some recruits that maybe there's situations where a coach will be fired, like at Texas Tech yeah. or USC or somewhere else, right? Um that's fine. It's a placeholder. It's still not going to change the fact that they're probably going to be bad next year. Mm-hmm. They'll probably be bad the year after because mm-hmm. even though you could say all those things, Lovey Smith and this, that, and the other, and get a top-level recruit in, he isn't doing so. Even though he gets one, it's not enough for where they're at, and I guess it's a larger conversation on where Illini football should be. I just should they be middle of the road in the Big Ten, or should they be a team like Northwestern that is middle of the road trying to get to that top tier in the Big Ten, or are they a bottom feeder? Because right Illinois, now, what they've been is a bottom what's feeder. What's the alternative? What is the alternative to firing Lovey Smith, though? If like Who who could you sell me on? That's say, my point. This is, is the guy who could turn around Illini football. Lane Kiffin. Isn't Lovey Smith, well, Smith probably their best bet yeah. for turning around football? Uh, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Hold on. Okay. Is mm-hmm. Illinois football overall worse than Kansas football? Well, I, we were having this discussion the other day, and I said because I thought Kansas, Kansas yes. for where they're at, yes. Les Miles is a fantastic I, hire. I legitimately, yeah, but, I, but Illinois, I, uh, I was arguing that I thought Kansas is in a better spot than Illinois for football. Believe it or not, now perhaps. But but but, but, but the thing is, I think they're it's minutia because both programs theoretically are on a similar playing field. Okay, but like so someone, do you, like, do you think that Illini could land someone like Les Miles? Well, and they, they got Lovey Smith. Isn't that the same that's thing? That's what I'm asking. I, I didn't think Kansas could land a guy like Les Miles. Like yeah, but I didn't think Kansas could land a guy like Les Miles. Until like it happens. Yeah, that's yeah. Happens. Money, money speaks, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Um, here's yeah. where I was going with this. Matt Campbell at Iowa State. Uh, Iowa State isn't necessarily suggested as a better football brand, right? But no. he has made them into a pretty damn good football team. Is Illinois, with more money, a more desirable spot than staying at Iowa State where you're never going to win with your style of play because the air raid system has taken over that conference? Oklahoma, Texas, Texas Mm -hmm. Tech, all these different teams. Mm -hmm. you got to score 70 points to win a football game, right? They're one of the few teams that zigged when everyone else zagged, right? So Matt Campbell, a hot coaching name, 
at somewhere like Illinois, is that a better step up? Or are you demoting yourself even though you're going to a better conference? But why don't you bring that kind of system to Illinois like you're saying? But well, you could. But uh, there's a guy that's Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury, Kingsbury is out is there. Available. Exactly. Cliff Kingsbury is... Cliff, don't you think Cliff, Illinois fans would be more excited for Cliff Kingsbury over Lovey Smith? Absolutely. Because I think a guy like that, when you were saying where do they rank, what kind of... I put the, the Big Ten into three rankings. There's the, there's the elite of the elite. There's the Ohio State's, the Michigan's, and then like Michigan's state kind of creeps in there every once in a while wisconsin will creep in there every once in a while and then there's the guys you don't want to play like you don't want to play iowa you don't want to play purdue this season because you don't know what they're going to do they could beat ohio state they could lose to Rutgers. you know or so and uh i would put iowa purdue northwestern's in that tier like those kind of teams and then you have the bottom feeders you have the you have the Rutgers. you have the maryland's you have the uh, the illinois illinois should be right now i would think you, Illinois fans would want to be the Iowa. They would want to be the Northwestern. The teams that you don't want to play on your schedule because well, it's a tough look. Big Ten team to play. That's where they should be right now. Okay, it takes time to get there. Yes, I think every Illini fan will, will certainly agree with you. They should be in their minds where Northwestern is. There's no doubt about that, right? Oh, like, absolutely. Like that's, There's no reason that's they probably, can. if you're, if you're, an alum of Illinois or an Illinois football backer, that's probably right now your biggest quibble is that Northwestern has usurped you in the entire state in terms of college football. Chicago's Big Ten team. And so that's 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 you know, where you have to go next if you're Illinois. I do think though there's something to be said for consistency and, and you've you've committed to Lovey Smith right now. And yeah. so play it out for a couple of years and see where you go with it. Because if you just pull the rug out from under him, I don't know if you're not just running in place and find yourself at the bottom of the Big Ten for another decade if you if you move on from Lovey Smith. I would just ask one more thing. Uh, what is he known for? What is Lovey Smith known for? Defense. Aside from the beard? Yeah, aside from the beard. I, I think it's the Bears Super Bowl, right? Okay, Bears Super Bowl. And what, what is his style of play? What is he known for? The what cover, is Lovey Smith? Cover two defense. Cover two defense. Okay, archaic defense, uh, which this season ranks in defensive efficiency Ugh. 118th in the country. So if you're telling me a defensive coach out of 130 teams in the country is ranked 118 mm-hmm. and on offense, it's not like he's bringing anything no, special to right. the table. You're right about Offensive that. efficiency, they're ranked 70th. So if that's what he does, he better do it better than what he's doing right now oh. because it, I don't see it ever getting better for the Illini with Lovey Smith there because he's a defensive coach who can't coach defense at the college level. That's end of story. I think Cliff Kingsbury would be your best move. And... Uh, our, one of our friends is an uh, Illini supporter, an Illini uh, booster, if you will. I don't know how much money he gives, but he'll say he gives he a lot. Give he'll say he gives a lot. He'll <laughs> say he gave a lot in tuition. Uh, would say that Cliff Kingsbury is the option. Should, uh, he hasn't officially well, been fired yet, but whatever, he's getting fired. Well, uh, as we, if you're just joining us late, as we've learned, Lovey, ex- Lovey Smith has been extended for two more years through 2023 per Brett McMurphy. So, uh, How about the Illini? The, the fight in the Illini. Make, making some How news in college football. Illini. All right. I do owe the folks some, uh, some Bears conversation where they rank amongst the NFL elite. I want to play Lewis Riddick from Golick and Wingo on Friday talking about that when we return right here on ESPN 1000. See Chicago's game day only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. 
It is indeed. I'm Jeff Meller along with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah. And if you're just joining us or you missed us talking earlier in the day, the big news for Bears purposes, if you're a Bears fan, kind of just trying to kick back and relax, the big news of the day per Adam Schefter is that Mitch is not a lock to start next week. They're maybe hopeful that he'll play, but uh, it is not indeed a lock. And if he cannot play next week against the Giants... Hopefully he would return against the Rams. So that's the big news of the day per Adam Schefter. Look, we still got seven games, seven days. So we yeah. got a lot of time we'll be for t- him to decide. You know we'll be yeah. di- dissecting that all week long. Yeah, right? and the, the players are off all weekend. So until they get back into the building, we won't really know for sure the status when the injury report is put out throughout the week. But, you know, we saw Chase Daniel play a really solid game. He didn't do anything amazing. He also didn't mess it up for a really good defense to win a game on the road. Whether or not a backup quarterback back-to-back weeks mm-hmm. can go on the road and win a football game, uh, it'll be interesting to see because it would really talk about how good this team is overall if he can do so uh, coming up against the Giants. The win in Detroit was, like you said, Chris, a you know for a backup quarterback on a short week to go ahead and win a game on the road was a big test for the Bears that they passed. And Lewis Riddick weighed in on Golik and Wingo on Friday on just where the Bears fall amongst the NFL's best. The Bears are very, very, very good. Why? Because they have one of the smartest head coaches in the NFL despite the fact that he's in his rookie season. He gets it in terms of how he wanted to construct his roster, particularly the quarterback room, when he got there. That's why he wanted a guy like Chase Daniels, who was perfect in terms of the profile that he brings. A very smart guy, a guy who is very intrinsically motivated, doesn't need a lot of reps, can play on short notice, is like a coach on the football field. That's check, 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 check as far as what you want from a backup quarterback. That's why he's able to play like he did yesterday. And all the things that he's helping Mitch Trubisky do behind the scenes that you don't know about, those are the kind of things. Those are smart football moves. They have tremendous diversity at, at wide receiver as far as smaller, fast, quick guys that can play inside, outside. High risers like Allen Robinson on the outside who are those vertical threats, those guys who can take the ball off the top of your head. They have uh, a Swiss Army knife in Trey Burton. They have thunder and lightning at running back with Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen. So they've got a lot going on. And on the defensive side, they're as well coached as any defense that you've seen for a very, very long time. Big Fangio is one of the absolute best. They're a team that doesn't have to commit eight to the box in order to stop your running game because they have a dominant front seven. Akeem Hicks is one of the best players in the NFL on the defensive side of the ball that you just don't hear about because Khalil Mack gets all the headlines in, in Chicago, and rightfully so. So when they can stop your run with seven and cover with four, this is a team that their two safety high looks are very diverse as far as their disguise, as far as the ways that they try to take out your primary weapons. They have tremendous combination coverage. They have tremendous discipline. And on the deep, I, I, I don't think that's a fluke. I know a lot of people point to the quality of teams that they've beaten, but this is a team that you know in two weeks they're gonna they're gonna you know they're gonna have the test that everybody is looking for them to have when they play the Rams and when they come into town. And we'll see just how good this defense is. I think this defense is legit. I think the offense is legit. I think the whole team is there. I think they're a team that definitely, in the NFC, obviously you probably go Saints-Rams and I put them third. I, I think they will be very much so in contention to play in the NFC Championship game if they can catch the right breaks. The big thing for the Bears is, as Lou just pointed out, that Rams game at Soldier Field will be their biggest test of the season because they've put themselves in a great spot in the NFC North. They sit atop the division. We're all looking at that Vikings and Packers game closely tonight. And, you know, but 
in all reality, that game doesn't have a whole lot of influence on the Bears right now if they take care of business. Absolutely, and Lewis is completely right on the fact that if things break their way in the playoffs, this team is good enough to take advantage. When you have the top defense in all football, we saw it last year with Jacksonville. They got to the AFC Championship game. Brady and the Patriots beat them. If they had a different quarterback, chances are that's the team that gets to the Super Bowl from the AFC. So I'd like where this Bears team is at right now, heading towards the playoffs. Just be better than Blake Bortles, Mitch. That's all we ask. Yeah, that's exactly uh, that the might thing. Be a I tall would, order for well, him. that's exactly what I was going to say is like right now, I just hope that they're not the Jaguars. Like I hope that they're not this great defensive team that's, that is just being wasted. You have a, you have a window. You have a Khalil Mack window right no, no, now. No, no. Your window is your quarterbacks on a rookie deal. Yeah. That's the window yes. because you can spend money elsewhere. Exactly. So you have the resources to go out and spend money, but I'm saying as far as taking advantage of one of the most, uh, the, one of the best defensive players in the NFL right now, you have to take advantage of that. And if you get to the playoffs and you lose a year because, uh, Trubisky isn't ready, then, I mean, it's kind of a wash this year, but ultimately, you, the quarterback has to be the story because that's who's going to win the championship. The future looks bright, but every year in the NFL is an opportunity and you don't want to waste one. That was Adam Abdallah. You can follow him on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah. Chris Black at Chris Black. I'm Jeff Meller at Jeff underscore Meller, M-E-L-L-E-R. Thanks to Eric Ostrowski. Don't go anywhere. Patriots and Jets next on ESPN 1000. Woo!